You're listening to the Scottish Football Forums podcast, the home of Scottish football banter. Hi, welcome to this week's episode of Scottish Football Forums podcast. We're at season nine, episode 49. Uh, I'm John and joined by John. How are you doing? Yeah, okay, John. What about yourself? Aye, good. Happy Gothenburg Day and all that. Aye, definitely. Yeah. Good day for it. Always a good day, the limit for me. <laughs> Get your Aberdeen top on. Do you know what? I don't even think about that because I was working. Um, I don't even think about the... Um, I, I know we're working from home so I can wear almost whatever I want, but I didn't even think to put my own top on. What about you? Aye. No, I've got it on, aye. Aye, good uh, right, So, we are... Lucky enough to be joined by two guests tonight, um, so it should be interesting. I don't know if we've ever had two guests on at the same time, have we? I'm not sure. Um, Steph, I'm to think. I think it's the first in the time I've been on the podcast anyway. So it could go really well or it could go tits up, so uh, I will see. Or should I say tarts up? So... We have got um, Scott, uh, who is otherwise known as Amadeus, so who likes it done on Twitter. We've been trying to get you on for a while. We've been talking about it for a while. So, Scott, how are you doing? You all right? Yeah, all good, guys. Thanks very much for having me on. Hi. No, glad to have you on. Uh, it, was do, it was doing my head in wondering where you got the, um, which commentary you got the name from, which Rob it was, because obviously it was Rob Hawthorne for Sky and Rob McLean for BBC, but then the Hawthorne one was doing the rounds the other day, so it wasn't him. <laughs> Ah, it's, it's, to be honest, it's a source of confusion for Rangers fans. So I got <laughs> accused of being a Rangers fan for pulling up Mikey Stewart about something that happened in a Rangers Aberdeen game last season. And I was, uh, I think the Daily Record turned me down as a reaction from a Rangers fan on Twitter. So <laughs> clearly it does go over the heads of many in that West End bubble. Daily Record getting something wrong? No, no, no. no. I know. No. Uh, and then our, we've got another guest, so uh, we're lucky enough to be joined by a man of a few clubs from Meadowpoint and Dundee, Airdrie, Hearts, Party Thistle, Stenhouse Muir, I'm getting tired, Kildren Beef. Uh, so a few good clubs. Uh, Alan Lawrence, how you doing? Uh, I'm good, guys. Good, guys. Thanks for having me on. Aye, good to have you on as well. How are you coping with the current I, situation? I've not got a strip on because I, I would be sweating with nine tops on. Certainly wouldn't be an Aberdeen one anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Red know your colour. Well, I suppose it is Airdrie. is my team, really. It's my team that I support now, and I'm an ambassador for the club. So, Airdrie's always been my team. It's basically where I made my name, I think. Oh, I definitely don't know about that. Sure. Yeah. To that. Uh, but uh, how have you been coping through the whole lockdown situation? Uh, well, just like I said to you before we come online there, I was saying I, I forgot what day it was because I was going to go down to England for a game of golf tomorrow. But it's not till Wednesday, apparently. Aye. <laughs> but uh, uh, getting through, I've been furloughed for this will be six, uh, week six now, so it's just, it's been hard, but see, at the same time, it's 
give me a bit of time with me, just me and my missus, and I've got a lot of things done round about the house and in my garden, all that, that I'll probably wouldn't have got done if I'd have been working. So it's, it's had a bit of a positive outlook as well. Oh, definitely. And what about yourself, Scott? How are you been coping with it? Uh, well, I've, I've been working for home now for eight weeks. Uh, I won't, I won't tell you who I work for because I feel like there'll be enough people who'll hate me just for being a Hearts fan. So I'm not going to add to it <laughs> by letting you get what sort of part of this uh, sort of industry I'm working. But that's nah, been fine. No, no, it's not quite that bad. It's about one, it's about one, one or two steps up for that and being a parking inspector. Uh, but uh, it's, it's not been too bad actually, to be fair. Been too bad. Managed to get your exercise and all that. Uh, I, I'm probably getting more exercise now than what I did beforehand. I so it's actually been a blessing <coughs> for that. Uh, I think a lot of folk are in the same boat in terms of being out running and stuff like that. How's you getting on, John? Still good? Yeah, still good. Yeah, um, a lot more back garden football. Um, and yes, before you ask him, my boy's still kicking my backside, which isn't a surprise. <laughs> um, but. Yeah, it's all good. Can't complain. Weather's been good recently, although for some reason, apparently it was snowing overnight after a good day on Saturday. How does it go from 20 degrees to snowing in May? That's Scotland. 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 (laughs) Uh, I had the barbecue on Saturday night and then Sunday went a walk and I had my winter hat on and all that, so uh, (laughs) just typical. You know what happened anyway, once we're properly out of lockdown, the weather's going to be absolutely horrific. I know, um, that's what I said, that I'll know you can get a game of golf, because it'll be pissing down every day. Aye. <laughs> you a good golfer then? Eh, no, probably about the same standard as I was at the football. Well, you made it a professional at football, so you're, you're beating the three of us anyway. Alright, I'm not a professional golfer. Sixteen <laughs> up playoff, so... I'm a bit of a hitter or a mess, but I just I like it just for the exact same thing as this, you know, get on, have a bit of banter with the guys that you're playing with, and it's it's just a good day out. I enjoy it. You missing it? Uh, I'm definitely because that is my main hobby now. You know, since I've I've not been involved with the football, so the golf is my sport now, and I, I, I do miss it. Did you play that when you were playing football, or was that a thing you took up when you stopped? Uh, I kind of I started playing it once I went full time way back in '87 when I signed with Dundee and I'd been part time before that and then when I started full time finishing training at one o'clock and then said to the guys what, what do you do now you know what I mean what do you do after going for training so the, the options up at that time were you could go to the horse racing at Perth or Musselburgh or Hamilton if that was on or you could go to the bookies, or you could go to the casino. So tried all them out, ran out of money, and then ended up playing golf. So that was me. But once you start playing the game senior, you find it very hard. It's hard to get a game of golf in, really, because you're training every day of the week. And then, obviously, playing Saturday, Sundays are a day off so you don't really find the time to get a game of golf in until the summer time comes I've I've only ever tried playing a couple of times I don't know about other guys either use golfers no no definitely no no you can't MPs don't play golf do they (laughs) Scott no (laughs) 
I'm just trying to work out what his job is. <laughs> you get it'll be aye. Yeah, I'm I'm definitely not a golfer. Um, see when you're talking about handicaps, I I, I feel so you're talking in riddles because it just means nothing to, um, to me what the handicap is. Um, if you want an idea, my um. My, my golfing ability. I think I got um a 100 and a par three course um once upon a time, and that tells you about my level. Just um, you know, I'm still not an Alan Lawrence at um football level. I'm probably more um you know non-league. Ah, <laughs> uh, uh, well, anyway, we're not going to talk about golf, are we? No, no. Yeah. Uh, it's lucky that there's not been much happening in my heart. Uh, in terms of this week to get a couple of Hearts fans on, looking for the Hearts, eh? Well, you listen, you can say you can say what you want, but Hearts have been Hearts have been in the news a lot more than what they should have been over the last three or four years, and it's all down to not doing very well. And I, I look at the situation now, and I think you know Hearts Hearts are at the bottom of the league now. And that's been coming for the last, I would say, two, three and a half years since Craig Levine went in back in charge. And I think there's been a, a spiral down the way since then. I don't know what Scott thinks, because he, he'll obviously see them a lot more than me. But just from the games that I've been to and games I've seen on TV, it's not been very good. No, I would actually agree. I think you've hit the nail on the head there, Alan. I think uh, with regards to there's been an overall malaise at the club now for about probably about three years since Robbie Nielsen left. Uh, I actually don't have any issues with them bringing in Ian Cathro. It was worth a punt. They tried something a little bit different. Uh, but when that didn't go quite to plan, I think bringing Craig Levine back in, I just felt as if it wasn't really what the fans wanted I thought it was just going to be a short-term thing for 12 months, and I thought what they were looking to do was maybe potentially get either Austin McPhee or John Daly up to scratch, but it sadly didn't turn out to be. And I think the players were brought into this environment where mediocrity was accepted, and unfortunately what that leads to is dropping points to teams that you should really be beating. And I'm sure we'll get on to what's happened over the last few days, but ultimately, if you've got the fourth biggest playing budget in Scotland, you shouldn't be bottom after 30 games anyway. It shouldn't even be a discussion that Hearts fans need to get involved in, whether what's happened over the last few days has been legal or not. Uh, but like I say, I'm sure you'll be winding me up a bit for the next half hour or so. <laughs> not at all. Um, I mean, <laughs> um, but the, the point that I've been making the, the last few weeks, I mean, we were obviously in this situation where no matter what um, the authorities uh, decided, um, you know, there was going to be someone that wasn't happy. Um, so I actually do feel it's it a bit crap for Hearts that um, they don't get, they're not essentially not getting the chance to fight out a relegation. Um, you know, with it that the remaining eight games won't won't be coming up. But can any Hearts um, can Hearts seriously? look on their form against the bottom six sides, um, but they've only won one game all season against their fellow bottom six sides, and there are four points adrift to Hamilton just now. Can they seriously say with confidence that they would have stayed up 
I'm not. I mean, it's all ifs and buts, and every team's the same. But that is that is relegation form. That is why they're part of the league. Um, yeah. So I think in Anne Budge's comments um, saying that we've spent a lot of money to set up, and well, that actually makes it worse for you that you've spent a lot of money to have such a crap team. Um, you know, no disrespect, but that's where that is just now. Um, you've spent all that money um, on wages and and stuff, and Sitting bottom, I think it's embarrassing for her. See what you're saying? No. You, you, see what you're saying there? you say you're right, Hearts are a crap team. But see, the thing is, they've actually got good players. Mm-hmm. They've got good players at the club. It's just they have got a shite team now. They just don't seem to be able to play. And the amount of players that Craig Levine signed was. I mean, how do you get consistency when you sign that many players? He must have got the team sheet on a Friday and looked at him better. It must have been like a game of bingo. Try to pick a team. Get your squad and minimise it and then use what you've got. Because if you've got that many players, you'll be looking every time going, oh, no, I've not tried time, I've not tried this. You need to get a squad, get a settled uh, first team, uh, maybe a base of 15, 16 players, and then just use them throughout the season and try and try and encourage uh, youth coming through as well. You need a balance. If you're going to bring young boys through, which Craig Lewin is doing, you need to give them you need to give them the the belief that they're going to be in the team for five, six, seven games, not play them one, two games and then drop them because they've not performed. So that, that, that That's my point of view, and I think that's where hats have suffered. Recruitment's definitely been an issue. Uh, I mean, Alan will be able to probably confirm this, but when Alan was brought in, uh, I'll not say how long ago, uh, for Jim Jeffries, <laughs> but uh, Alan was part of quite an extensive sort of recruitment drive over a 12-month spell when he first joined Hearts and there was a, a bit of coming and going because the, there was quite a lot of dead wood to move out we'd just sort of you know scrape past relegation one or two seasons running then as well but then what what Jim Jeffries was able to do was the two years after that just bring in two or three players to complement the guys he already had and just sort of embellish on that whereas if you look Craig Levine's pretty much it's been double figures every summer for the last three years and you just that high turnover, it's never going to bring any continuity. Uh, you're always going to struggle. I think from an outside point of view as well, you only need to look at Harry Coxon as an example. Two seasons ago, he was yeah. tipped as a next big thing in Scottish football. And then that boy's confidence, I, I don't know. But you'd imagine it must be affected a bit by the fact the moment he's the next big thing and then the next that he's, he's struggling to get games out on loan and stuff like that. I he's packed him off to but that's what we're saying earlier on. See when, if you're bringing one thing about Jim Jeffries and Billy Brown when I was there, I mean we had we had Gary Locke, Alan McManus, Alan Johnston, Gary Naismith, eh, Paul Ritchie. We had an abundance of young boys coming through in that team and Jim just put them in the team and he gave them a run. They weren't in for two, three games and then popped away again. And then they bec- the more games they get, the more playing time they get. And with the balance they had with the experience in that team, 
Marcel, John Calhoun, John Robertson, McPherson, Mackay, even well, Levine was there for a while. It just, you have to, I keep going on about this balance, but if you're going to bring young boys in, they need to be in a, a team that's got good experience and boys that will help them. And I think at that time when I signed for Hearts, Jim, Jim got that right away. As Scott said, he got rid of some of the deadwood and then he started to make the squad look kind of decent. And then, to be fair, that season, I think we finished, we finished fourth in the league, qualified for Europe, and we got to the Scottish Cup final. So for his first season, that was that was a good uh, a good job. Oh, without a doubt, that was a good season because um, I think the seasons before um, they finished eighth, just ahead of us and Dundee United um, in the relegation battle, um, and I think the season before they were slightly above relegation, but again they were really underperforming. Um, so yeah, there's no question that Jeffrey's um, revived them that season and getting, as you say, Scottish Cup final. Um, you know, was was massive that season. I think that was the first time in in ten years that he'd done that and. Yeah, so, I mean that was good going. Yeah, that was it was a it was a good season, and unfortunately we got trumped in the final five one. But you know what, we had beat we had beat Rangers twice that season in the league. The Alan Johnston game at Ibrox, you remember him? He scored the hat trick. Mm-hmm. And you know what, I had played in the ninety two and the ninety five final with Airdrie, both losers. And then when I got to 96 with Hearts, I thought, this is my chance now. I'll maybe, you know, have a, a more realistic, but it was the biggest doing I got in a final. So. Pro, Pro didn't help that um, Gary Locke get, get injured. I believe you replaced him, but that wasn't obviously the reason you lost 5-1. The fact was that you lost one of your, your captain and one of your key players so early, and it was one of your defensive-minded players too. I'm sure it was only something. I, I can't remember. Scott probably remember better. Yeah, I think it was something like maybe between... 12 and 15 minutes or something like that mm-hmm. and there was myself it was actually a surprise for me because myself and me Robbo were on the bench so I thought the way he was I don't know how Jim was going to change the team or what he was going to do but I thought Robbo would be the automatic choice if he was putting a striker on but I put myself on so that went doing well didn't it Yeah, I don't think it helped the fact that Rangers had um, a pretty good, um, a pretty good team at that point. Um, but I mean, we're, we're, we've almost jumped ahead into your hearts well before we even covered off some of your clubs and the clubs after that. But might as well since we're on um, a tangent. So, um, no, how did it come about you um, going to Hearts in the first place? Uh, well, I had been at Airdrie. I was been at Airdrie, and my contract was about to run out. This is a true story, by the way. I asked Alan McDonald was the manager, so I don't know if it was the manager or the board of directors or whoever that done the the money things for that. And I never had an agent, always just for it myself. So basically, I asked for a new contract for two years with a fifty pound a week wage rise, and they were like that. No. She's, I'll give you the same wage as your own for two years if you want that. And I, I just dug my heels in and went, no, it's not happening because you'd be signing other players for other players were coming in and getting more money. 
So I thought I should have been rewarded because I'd been there for a good few years. And I thought, I just thought that's what I deserved. But it wasn't the forthcoming, so to cut a long story short, I think I went and trained the Partick Thistle pre-season. Murdo McLeod was the manager. I trained with him and then done a bit of training with him and Murdo said to me after a few sessions, he says, nah, they will not be offering me anything. So fair enough. Went back to Airdrie. So it's funny because we thought that he was quite hungry because he'd said to me before I left, who's going to, who's going to come in for you? So I was like, oh, so I said, I'll take my chance anyway. So I ended up, I had to go back. So I was back with the train again. And I got a phone call one night from Bill McMurdo. Bill McMurdo phoned me and said, well, well it's Bill McMurdo. I've had Jim Jeffries on the phone. Jim Jeffries, what's in you for hearts? And honestly, I was, I was ready to hang up because I thought it was one of the guys for the team having a laugh, you know what I mean? We used to phone each other and say so-and-so for the evening news or for whatever. And uh, I got the phone call was to go in and speak to them the next day. So I went in, spoke to Jim, spoke to Billy, and said to them, I'll, I'll get back to them and let them know. And then on the way home, I got a phone call from Dunfermline who uh, were in the same league as Airdrie at that time, and they had just signed Big Andy Smith. So I kind of thought to myself, Dunfermline, I can go play with Big Andy again. Plus, if I had went to Dunfermline along with Big Andy, the Airdrie fans would have been an uproar because that would have been their two strikers away to one of their biggest opponents. So I actually, I spoke to them for a bit, I spoke to Dak and I spoke to the manager at that time. I can't remember his name. Was it Bert? Bert I spoke to them. And I think I'd always had my mind. I had kind of made up my mind that I was going to go and sign for Hearts. Because we obviously a massive club and I'm an Edinburgh lad. So that was kind of in my mind. But I gave Dunfermline the respect to, to go and speak to them and see what they would say. So... Anyway, that, that was the thing. And I phoned uh, George Pete, the chairman, on the way home. And I says to him, I says, George, I says, Hearts have offered me a deal on that. Blah, blah. And he says, no, he says we, can't, uh, we can't come to an agreement with Hearts. Tell me what to pay the money. And I says, well, I'll tell you what. I'll just sign for Dunfermline then. And I, I, I think he must have literally shit his pants because Big Andy Smith just went there. And then if I go there, then there would have been uproar in Airdrie. So he's like, oh, what do you mean? I says, oh, I says I'm just, I says, I'm on my way back for East End Park. I've spoke to Dick and Bert. He says, they've offered me a deal. I swear to God, I got home half an hour later. George puts on the phone. Right, uh, and, uh, you're playing it for part tonight for Hearts. The deal's done. <laughs> so that was me. Went and played a reserves game at uh, Motherwell, and that was that's how I signed. That was it. 
Yeah, I don't know if you'd have been allowed back in Airdrie had you signed for Dunfermline, given um, some of the things I've read well, about the rivalry between the two. Well, well, that's what I'm saying, and the fact that Bagandi had already moved there, you know what I mean? And I think George knew that himself, so that was that was the minute I've said Dunfermline to him, he must have been on the phone to Hearts right away saying, right, let's get this sorted. Because I think originally, I think uh, Alec McDonald was trying to get the deal as part of a swap with Scott Leach. I think they, that had been mentioned in uh, part of the deal, but Leach didn't want to go to Airdrie. So I think that's what kind of put a spoke in the wheels, as, as they say, and uh, the deal was the deal wasn't going to be done. But I was, I was glad that it happened, though, because being an Edinburgh lad, Grew up, believe it or not, as a Hibs fan, because my dad took me to the Hibs games. But once I'd been to a couple of the derbies with my dad, and you think when you're a young boy and you want to be a footballer, you just love to play in one of the games. So at least I got, I got four of them anyway, so that wasn't too bad. On the subject of derbies, I noticed, Scott, you've had a wee thread going on Twitter recently about best derbies and stuff like that moments. Getting yeah. Into that, that. Aye, uh, it's it's been pretty fun. Uh, it's something that will be probably running through the summer. Uh, there's already been one or two that Alan would have been involved in uh, on the thread. Uh, I know he's still quite bitter about big hands getting the the nod against them for a spell. So uh, I'll no I'll no dwell on that too much. <laughs> 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 uh, it would have been alright if he was a player, but <laughs> <laughs> good hair. Yeah, that's what. Good poker uh, player. Aye, aye. You must have been. You must have had his poker face one and all when he was at Easter Road. <laughs> <laughs> what, what's your best memories then in the derbies, Scott? I'd imagine there's an obvious one, but uh, it's it's funny, I suppose for me. It, when it, I'll I'll try and avoid the obvious. <laughs> Uh, Is that the 5-1 uh, game? Uh, well, which 5-1? Uh, <laughs> <bye. laughs> for, for me, it's been more like you, you go back to 2014, Hibs had that chance to sort of exercise some of the ghosts for two years prior and relegate us. And we beat them 2-0, which ultimately was part of their downfall that season and they came down worse to keep us company. So that's always been quite a favourite. Uh, but going back to sort of... Alan's time, uh, we actually had a really, really sort of good ding dong with him uh, when we Robo scored an injury thing uh, to earn us a two old draw, uh, and that was a really great game. Gary McKay got sent off for stamping on Gareth Evans. Other by everything, again Bruno was playing a few weeks later in a derby. He was kicking folk, getting away with murder. Like there were some really tasty derby games uh, for that season. So it's really good to sort of look back on those ones where we bit of fondness. Uh, that needle isn't quite there now with the derbies. A lot of the guys who play now, they don't really have the the local connections. So you tend to find that even if they don't really get on much on the park, it never really boils down to anything. But, you know, if you were growing up watching derbies in the 80s and 90s, there was a lot of local lads for either side playing and you always got that feeling that anything could happen. Aye, it's an interesting one because you see now in the tunnels and all the players are all pals with each other. Whereas back in the day, it would be like game face on. 
I grew up as a Hibs fan, right, because my dad, all my family, they were all Hibs and they were all going to Easter Road, so I went, but I, I can't see once you play, and the darts, in fact, see once you play for Hearts, the first game I played at home, and you come out, the Hearts song's on, there's always a decent crowd there, the atmosphere, you know what? It's what a feeling you get. It's just, it's a special place, Town Castle. It's one of my favourite grounds, even before I signed with Harps. So it's a good place to play. And Scott's right, at that time, I was playing against guys that I grew up with and I knew, you know, they're a hippie and they're a jambo. And you had that desperation to win the game. Or, or the other side, it was if you're losing, like we were in that game, and then you get a draw. That's like a victory. Your robo scores in 80, uh, 92 minutes or so. And that's, that's like a win for you. So, uh, great games to play in if you're local. I, I think... Oh, sorry. Go, no, no, I was just going to say, Alan, like, aside for your previous allegiance to... The Hibs, you were obviously part of a, an Airdrie team that had knocked out of the Scottish Cup to three out of the previous five seasons. Did that ever make you second, like, just sort of think about how you were going to be sort of viewed or taken to by the fine fans when you signed for us? Aye, I, definitely, definitely, Scott. See, when I, I, it's actually funny, when I, I, I was in the office with Jim Jeffries and Billy Brown, and the first thing I says to was, was I had new Billy anyway, because Billy tried to sign me for, see when I was, before I signed for Meadowbank, Billy tried to sign me for uh, Musselburgh Juniors. So he had, he had known about me anyway, and I went in there and I, I says to him, I says, you do realise, I says, everybody, I says, everybody in Edinburgh knows that I grew up as a hobby. And Jim Jeffrey says to me, she said, it doesn't matter what team you support. See if you go out and get another percent of that jersey, the fans will take to you. That's all you need to do. So he was right. And that's just that was the mentality I had. People are going to know. I mean, don't get me wrong, the banter in the dress. See the first day I went in, go out in the dressing room and I'm, you look for a, a peg or a locker and say, right. So we robo, pewter cell. I says, is there a locker I can use because I'm not going to upset anybody if I go in on a take that one there, that spare nipper. So come in and we're getting ready and fucking Kai walks in and sees I'm sitting right next to his locker. Says, oh, for fuck's sake. Fucking Arhabi bastard. Because on the other side of him was Brian Hamilton who kept the hearts for Hibs. <laughs> so we robot we robber just wait I just sit there. So Kai had two hubbies sitting either side of him. Oh, first day and he was kinda crack it sit beside these two cats, you know all that. But Jeffrey's just said, go out and do what you do as a player and the fans will take to you. And to be fair, I, I don't think I really I, I don't really remember getting much stuck off the hearts fans. No, I don't think, I mean, to be honest, I didn't know that you were a Hibs fan, um, you know, before you even joined Hearts. So um, if it's not well known, then, you know, 
Hearts fans probably wouldn't have cared less. You know, it's not as if that you kissed the badge against them if you scored in the Hibs, Hibs jersey. Maybe different if they signed Lee Griffiths, um, for example. But I'm sure even now, I think, um, I think. Um, Steve would concede that he would love a player like Lee Griffiths to join us. <laughs> well, it was just said, uh, you look at some of the players that have played for Darren Jackson, for example. Darren was at Hibs for years and then he goes to Hearts and he was, he was fantastic at Hearts. The Hearts fans, in fact, I think Darren, one of the stories I do believe was Darren actually got left out for the last few games because he was reaching a point where he was getting a payment if he'd played so many games. So he was bent just before that. I don't know if Scott heard about that one. No, that's that's pretty much the same story I heard. Uh, I think when I mean when we signed him in '99, it was pretty much out of desperation. We were bottom of the league, I think going into March and. Uh, we decided to bring him in along with big Kevin James with Falkirk. Uh, I don't know if many remember him, but mm-hmm. that was a double sign that he tried to get a suit of bother in it. I mean, it worked with regards to Dan Jackson, but I, there was certainly a cause that stated that once he'd played certain amount of games, it was either he would get another contract, another year's contract, or the money would go up. And by that time, Craig Levine had come in. I think Craig Levine had been brought in for counting beef with the mandate get the cost down, get ready some of these high earners. So guys like Jackson, Gary McSwiggan, Big Gordon Petrich, they were the first guys to go. Uh, so that's that's definitely something that I've heard many a time was that was the main reason. Was that the same time Scottish Media Group had in, had a stake at Hearts and uh, they started um going started going tits up for them basically at the same time? Aye, more or less. Uh, so we'd used a a decent amount of the money that they'd given us to sort of bankroll bringing in Petrich, who was on five figures, uh, Robert Tomashek was on a decent wage, Anthony Emmy, Fitzroy Simpson, Fidun South. So we'd spent quite a considerable chunk of the money on those four players alone. Uh, we've probably only really won major success out the four. Uh, so I, by the time that like I say, Levine had been brought in sort of 2000 uh, towards the tail end of that year. It was pretty much clear that we needed to shift a few guys on. And Darren Jackson was, you know, he was getting towards the tail end of his career anyway, but he probably still had something to offer, even in sort of short fits and bursts. But I think Levine just had to make a statement that he was the man. And one of the ways he doing that was to, you know, get rid of certain players with certain reputations. And in the end of that, Boy that Craig Levine, yes, yeah, Craig Brown should have called up for Scotland. Can he? That's a classic, that one, isn't it? Brilliant. What's your fondest memories of your time at Hearts, Alan? Uh, probably, are you talking about just, see, just the fact that I was there for a year? And experienced the whole, the whole Harps thing. Just being an Edinburgh lad and playing for what I would, the biggest club in Edinburgh. It was just, it, it was great. It was just a dream come true for me. I just looked, when I grew up, I was just a wee boy for the scheme winner. So to go and play in the derby, but the one that uh, Scott was talking about there, the, the two all game at Easter Road, 
that was one of the best games I played in that season. I mean, it had everything, and for it just to be a derby, and uh, come away for the end, what what really was like a moral victory for us because we had a poor run before that, and Hibs were fine. So probably that, and uh, the fact that we finished uh, fourth qualified for Europe and made the Scottish Cup final. So for the season I was there, I would say that. that be done reasonably well, so I've got a few good, few good memories from that season. Pasquale Bruno, just describe that character because he seemed uh, like a nut job on the pitch. The honestly, the, the Italian Roy Keane. That's how yeah, that's how I see when I seen him, and then when I seen Keane playing later on, that I used to think they two, they've got the same psychotic mind. They just. <laughs> I can't remember you at a game at uh, Tynecastle, Scott. I think we played Aberdeen and they got one dash down in the corner. Aye. And there was a bit of tussle between them, so I think he just stood on his neck or something. Because I think one dash had had a go at him. And I was just waiting. The old boys, I think I was on the bench that game and the boys were saying, oh, we're just waiting on it, aren't we? <laughs> I can't even remember what he'd done, but he got away with I'm sure he stood on his neck or something. Something brutal. But, well, Windus wasn't shy anyway as well. Ah, right, well, that's... But he picked, he picked on the wrong one when he picked with Big Bruno. But you know what? He was he was good for the club because you know, the the foreign guys that come over, Gilles, and then, well, apart from hands right enough, Gilles and Pasquale, they brought a, what I would say, maybe just a wee bit more professionalism to the club amongst the guys because of their diet and the way they conducted themselves and it was an, it was an eye opener for me because I hadn't I hadn't played at that level with the kind of players. So I definitely learned a couple of things, you know, as in diet and the way you look after yourself and just Things like that, but I think I think they were good for the club and they were they, they, they turned out to be great signings for Hearts. Yeah, it was certainly a good time. We'll take even further back than ninety-five, ninety-six, uh, all the way back to your start. So um, you you also say you were at Musselburgh and then you joined uh, Meadow Bank. Um, you were there for three years, as far as I can read. Um, it had had good times. I believe that you also went back alone um, to Meadowbank as well when you have, because uh, Graham Hunter, um, ARG supporter, says, um, would you like to take this chance to apologise um, for ruining my 18th birthday weekend by scoring a hat-trick for Meadowbank the day before? Uh, I know that, that happened. Uh, signed for... What happened? I was at Meadowbank and we had got Dundee in the Scottish Cup. And that was in the day the... You know, if you through in a replay, you, you played again, and it was a toss-up bomber away, so mm. we drew with our D, we drew with them again, and then the third game, they finally beat us at Dens Park, but in the three games, I was playing uh, wide right against Tosh, Tosh McGinley, and I'd gave him a bit of a roasting in the three games, so obviously that, uh, the, the manager at that time, Jockey Scott, must have took note and then the next thing I knew I was I was getting a phone call for Terry saying that Dundee wanted to sign me so 
I left, I think I left in March that season, 87, and that was the year medal bike got promoted as well. We were going brilliant that season. Got promoted. And then I went to Dundee. And I think it would be the... I'm not sure if it was the following season or not. I can't remember if it was still the same season, but I was getting a game anyway. So I went back on going to Meadow Bank for maybe the last five or six games I finished top goal scorer, joint top goal scorer with something like five or six goals. And three of them were in uh, a game against Deirdre. We were going for promotion that year. And I did... I don't know how, but I managed to score three against Big Johnny Martin. So he was also very upset that night as well. But do I apologise for three of them? I wish I wish they did score <laughs> six. <laughs> no danger. Good times at Meadowbank? I had a very good time. I had a good manager. I always be grateful to Terry because it was him that took me senior to start with. He took me uh, straight from East House's Boys Club when I put once and then I think a year later he signed Darren. So strike partner for a year and a half was Darren. And what a what a run we had while while we were there. We had a really, really good team. A lot of good uh, senior pros there. Okay. Some, some of you guys probably not even heard of them, but there was Mickey Lawson was there, Tom Henry, uh, Chris Robertson, Gordon Smith. Even we signed Arthur Duncan and Ralph Callahan while I was there. Bears coming to the end of there, Donald Park. So he, he always brought in, you know, good season pros. And it, that was a massive help to me and Darren because we'd come straight to juvenile football and at the senior game. But they both just kind of hit the ground running. So they were great days and it was great that the club got promoted the season I left anyway because Terry, Terry's a very good manager. I I've got a lot of time for that, man. How did the move to Dundee come about then? Was it Jockey Scott took you there? Yeah, it was Jockey, as I say, because we had played them three times and I'd played, I'd honestly played really, really well against Tosh, who was, uh, he was a Scotland under-21 cap at that time. So, obviously, impressed. It was kind of strange because I always thought, see, when I signed for Meadowbank, my dream was still to move up and get to full-time. Just wanted to be a, I just wanted that to be my job, and always thought eh, the the opportunity to come if you've got a, a full time team in the cup, and you do well against them. Some somebody might notice, and it just so happened that the eh, impressed jockey in these three games, and the next thing you know, he was he had me signed because it, I kind of would like to have stayed to the end of the season because we were going to get promoted anyway made a bank but Jockey wanted me up there so I went, I went up and I think it would be around about March and played a couple of games towards the end of the season then I think we started it must have been the fall season I went to made a bank I started my first full uh, my first season as a full time and I, I think I never done really that well at Dundee I 
struggled a bit. I think maybe whether it was uh, the new environment and moving up to Dundee and then being full time for a for you know for the first time in my career. One of these things, and then couple that way, a, a couple of serious injuries. So it never really worked for me at Dundee. So that's what I eventually did end up going back down. Did you find that a big difference in terms of the level, training and stuff like that? Oh, aye, definitely. Because as I say, I was straight for boys club under 21 juveniles in a middle bank. So you're, you're part-time, you're only training Tuesday and Thursday nights, playing on a Saturday. So it's kind of the same as what you were doing with the, the boys club anyway. Obviously more intention and up against better players, but the steps for there, then straight into the Premier League, was maybe just a bridge too far for me at that time, because it just took me, it took me longer to adapt to that uh, environment. I'd be tough going as well. What, Tommy Coyne would have been there at the time. Well, this is another. Tommy Coyne, Keith Wright, Graham Harvey, who I played with Airdrie as well. Uh, what a player Hard was. Great player. Great golfer as well. <laughs> Bad to the golf. Aye, aye. But uh, aye, they were in there that time. They had a really good Dundee had a good team. John Brown, Jim Duffy, Stuart Rafferty, uh, Rob Shannon. Tosh and Wright Coin, a really, really good team. We had a good squad, so it was very difficult to get a game in that team, you know. But I always thought I suffered a bit as well because some managers never knew whether to play me as a striker or to play me as a wide right player because I had a bit of pace and I could. I always, I always, for me, I preferred, I preferred playing out where it gave me a bit more space than playing through the middle with your back but it worked for me as well because I've done that at middle bank with Darren we both played up front and got a barrel of the goals so I think the the Dundee thing just it it never worked so I was back down to Edry I believe Gordon McKean um Gordon McQueen signed you um, on the back of scoring a hat trick against them. That's right. That's uh, well. It's mad, it's mad how I moved from Middle Bank to Dundee on the back of these three games, and then I've moved to Airdrie on the back of scoring a hat trick against them in one game. But uh, Gordon signed me, and then the only reason I signed that was because I think. Airdrie had been part-time at that time and I'd say to Gordon, I says, I'm not going to come to Airdrie because I'm full-time with Dundee and I'm not giving up full-time football to go back to part-time. And he says, no, no, he says, we're going to go full-time next year. And I thought, right. And I says, well, who else is going to be? And he couldn't have come up. He says, you'll be the first, full- <laughs> you'll be the first one that is signed full-time. I was like, oh, is there any guys there that are going to go full-time or are they going to stay part-time and keep their jobs? He went, oh no, there was a couple of guys like, I can't, Sammy Conn was one of them and a couple of other boys, I can't remember up and now, but they were going to be signing full-time, so I agreed then, I just said, right, I'll come down and I'll sign, and I'll sign for Airdrie. 
so that was me back down the road. Some good times as well at LG, obviously. I mean, you're a club legend there. A couple of cup finals in the terms of the yeah. Scottish Cup. Yep. Yeah. What kind of memories you got from there? Yeah, I've just. It's funny because you know the thing is, John. See, when you're there, you don't realise what you're, what you're achieving because it's your job, right? Your job. It's funny because your job's to go out, play the games, and try and win them, try and be successful. But when you're at a club like Airdrie, for me, like the expectations weren't they. They weren't the great. They weren't the same as if you went to Dundee in the Premier League or if you went to Hearts in the Premier League. The expectation level was different. So, from that point of view, I just think, I just went there and I just, I started to enjoy my football again once I went because I'd had a, a tough two year at Dens and I got to Airdrie and I kind of got off running, scored on my first game, got man of the match and I kind of felt part of the place right away and then once we'd got uh, that season out of the road Gordon left believe it or not just after we signed and then who was it that come in then Jimmy Bones Jimmy Bones mm-hmm. uh, Jimmy Bones and Jimmy Bones was good for me because as an attacking player if your manager was a striker I always think it's better you know what I mean if your manager's been a defender then you tend to concentrate more on defensive kind of things but Jimmy was like so sign myself sign Graham Harvey you John McDonald and then we ended up we got Coyley and that at that time we had we had some right good strikers remember the boy Kenny McDonald who played before for he was at Airdrie at that time as well he was he was a a, a goal scorer machine so he was in the Airdrie team at that time as well. Him, Annis McDonald, Ian McPhee. But, uh, as I say, I'm probably boring you now. Gordon left and then Boney come in and then we got promoted that, that same season. Was it not two seasons later? Um, because 89-90 was the one that you were involved in the battle with St. Johnson and they oh, won the key game with Dermond right. yeah but 1990-91 was the season you went up because that's when they extended right. it to two um, and you came in um, and finished ahead of Dundee that must have been satisfying right uh, you're right uh, uh, small age oh, a bit dementia coming on me on that <laughs> she didn't know there was uh, uh, that was right because I, I can remember that St. Johnston game well that was by the way that was that was a uh, a full house that day. Yeah. Nearly nearly ten thousand at that game. In the old first division. Cracking game, I think they beat us three one. Aye, it was uh, on sports scene that night, I remember that much as well. It was a cracking game. It was a brilliant game, some atmosphere. Aye, that we had to win that day, I think, to have a chance to go up. You're right, it was a following season. I remember the last game of the season we had to go to Kirkcaldy and we it was Wraith Rovers we played. And like oh, Big Evan Balfour, Big Evan scored for us quite early. I was like that. Oh, got about eight to minutes of the game still to go, and you know because the minute we got the goal, you just think right, just don't lose a goal, just don't lose a goal, and you know for the last 
10, 15 minutes of that game, Wraith battered us, but we managed to hold out, and that, that was us, we got promoted in second place. And then that got us into the Premier League. Yeah. Then we go in and it was cup finals, semi-finals, semi-finals, challenge cup winners, cup final again, qualifying for Europe. It was honestly, it was mental, absolutely mental. Yeah. You obviously reached two Scottish Cup finals in your time, um, and there was a couple of League Cups and finals you mentioned. But the first of those League Cups and finals you reached in 1991, this is what John Park has brought in on Twitter. Um, should the Pars have got that penalty after Jimmy Sanson chested the ball outside the box in the 1991 Scottish Cup semi at Tencastle? That well, must have been a sickener. Uh, it was a sickener. It was an absolute. I remember the incident perfectly because. I was at the other end of the park because the ball had went back to their goalie, I think. It was big Andy Rogers and goals. And it was just kind of outside the box. And he's he's just shelled it right like up the channel, up between outside the box and the shy line. And I've seen it go up and I've because I've I've chased him and forced him into that pass and he's just played it right up and I'm standing watching and I can see where the ball's gone. I can see Jimmy outside the box and then it hits him and even to this day I still think it hit his chest I've seen it there was no danger it was a handball and it was outside the box I could see it and then Davy Singh he's a penalty I kind of I just stopped and at the moment just went can't be right can't be right and when when he pointed to the penalty spot I mean I see, you must have seen on the telly, everybody's going into the ref. What a kid, Jimmy Sanskrit, everybody's hounding up because it's never in a million years a penalty. And he goes and gives them the penalty, and then that could we blame ourselves that night, maybe, because we battered them and we had that many chances. We only had the one goal, so. Maybe always save things for a reason, but that one was just a very, very sore one. Yeah, we well, did make up for it later on in the season by um, reaching our semi final and coming up against this Hearts. Scott, that must have been a. Um, Adrian got themselves to the final. That must be a hard one for you to take at the time. I mean, they were they were a bogey team, uh, you know, pretty much throughout that whole spell. Uh, I mean, it was just so easy for them. I, I suppose that there was such a strong connection with Hearts through Alec McDonald going there. They had Kenny Black, they had Zico, they had Jimmy Sanderson. So naturally, they almost just felt like you know they, they just knew Hearts' weaknesses. They played with Hearts, they played with a lot of those players for so long that they just knew how to get the better of us. And uh, I remember that one in particular because it went to a replay. So the Saturday game. I think Big Dave McPherson, uh, we had one where the goal had went, so he bother went over the line, but never got caught <clears throat> by the referee. And then we played the replay midweek, wasn't there a big crowd? We got a late goal uh, just to take it to penalties. I think Alan McLaren scored pretty much in the last minute. And then I want to say it was Big Dave McPherson and Scott Crabb that missed penalties. I might be wrong with that, but I think uh, you're right, Scott. Nah, I think it, it finished 4 2 here, two penalties. But Alan was, even at a young age, 
Alan always reminded me that era, along with guys like sort of Dougie Arnott and Paul McGrillan, just a right awful bastard to watch <laughs> if he was in the other team. Just like just that nippy sense. You just, I mean, I would have hated playing against him as a centre half because even if he's indicative of that sort of forward that even if they weren't having a great day in front of goal, you couldn't switch off because you knew they would be on your heels. And then that would obviously open up space for other guys in the team. I think I think that the way that Alan played and the way that a few of the guys played that I've already mentioned, that's been a little bit lost now in the game. You don't really have those types of characters playing up front for teams now. Again, you get your guys like, these guys have had Cosgrove recently, big Michael Higdon at Motherwell, guys who all you know, hit form for a year or two and then they'll go down south or, you know, hearts of other league big target guys that have maybe held the ball in well and done things. But I feel like I feel like in Scottish football we really need some dirty little bastards again up front. <laughs> again, just like a Paul Dick off. Get, I, I, I feel like I'm getting a bit nostalgic for all having to talk about the night. But you do, you, you miss watching those types of players and those and Airdrie, that type of team. I mean, don't get me wrong, I, I wouldn't say I enjoyed watching them at the time, but you watch back now on a lot of the clips when I'm converting stuff for the channel and that, and you do have a fondness for them because they were a, a you could tell that they just gelled as a group of guys, you know. As individuals, they maybe didn't look like the flashiest of players, but they, they, they all played for each other, uh, and and that always showed in those cup games. Scott, you're spot on there. Uh, sorry. Scott's spot on there, right, because what, what he's saying is we weren't the great players. I always, I've always said that about myself. I, I, I was a journeyman player. But you know one thing Alec installed in you was you play as a team, you win as a team, you lose as a team. And if if you're not giving your 100%, you're letting your teammates down. And we just had 11 guys that didn't want to be the full guy. He just said, that, just had that installed in you. So see when we come to play Harps, see the guys that played under Alan McDonald, they knew what we were going to be like before the game. Alan used to say that to us, he says, they know we're up for this. But it was strange that they could never ever be the same as where they were when Alec was their manager, whether it was Joe Jordan or whether it was Tommy McLean. They just never ever had that camaraderie again that they had under McDonald. Was there a bit of the crazy guy in element at that point, similar to it, that was down south at Wimbledon? I, do you know what? John, it, was, it wasn't the crazy guy. It was, and, and I, I say this sincerely right, it was about 14, 15, 16 guys all desperate to win when they played a game of football. That's all it was. And we never went about to try and be some something, you know, we we got the record jail cards and we got this. We never deliberately went out to try that. We just we done our hardest to stop teams running over the top of us because we weren't the great players. But we always wanted to say like when I go into Ibrox or Tyne Castle or Easter Road or Parkhead, I wanted to show the players. I wanted to show the Roy Atkins, the Craig Levines, the McPherson's, the Richard Goffs that I can play. And we had 11 guys all on our team that wanted to do the same. And that's how we that's how we achieved that success in the years. 
Yeah, when you get to the final against Rangers, um, you're obviously massive uh, underdogs um, getting into the game because Rangers had just wrapped up, I think it was five, three, four in a row they'd done at that point. Good Rangers yeah. side. But yeah, quitted yourselves pretty well. Um, but ultimately, um, you went down, but not disgraced. Um, but before I even go into the game, um, was that Grey Erdrickett, one of your favourites? It wasn't actually. <laughs> that was minging, isn't it? That whole thing. Uh-huh. I, I've actually, it's strange because I've got my three cup fight, my two ears, and my hearts once I've got them on the wall in my hall, framed. And, and uh, it's no pretty. I, I, liked, I liked the traditional white with the, the one that uh, Scott would remember, you know, the just traditional white with the red diamond. That, that was me. That's what your is all about. That's that's how you just strap in it. You, you get to cup finals and that, and they want to start changing them all. I don't know. Sorry, Alan. I was going to say I fondly do remember you scoring in that strip twice against us in one game. So I, I've got good fond memories of that one. Was that the game at Broomfield? Aye. <laughs> Aye. I got actually. <laughs> I was talking about the other day. A couple of guys, a couple of my mates were in my house. And I've got the I got a man in the match thing for that day, and it, it's it's a wee black and white football and a wee frame thing, full of whiskey, and it's it's never been opened since that day. I think that was when would that be 1991, 92? It was I. It was uh, so I think we were still roughly about top. In fact, this is a, a link between all three is so. I think during that spell, Alan scored twice, the 2-1 game, and then Aberdeen round about the same time came to Tynecastle and just trounced us for nothing. Ian Jess just ran the show. I mean, it was just phenomenal. Uh, that, aye, that was the start of our downfall that season, those two games. Mm. Yeah, I remember the, um, Ian Jess goal. That yeah, was one of the few highlights of our season because we really underachieved that season finishing six and went out both cup competitions home one of them at Airdrie obviously um, I but, know I remember we won at Petorji remember yeah, that yeah we watched that he won one now <laughs> was it and Joey Wilson scored aye and I, I'm sure we, that was to play Celtic in the quarter finals eh mm-hmm. and Celtic uh, Aberdeen had already printed the tickets for the quarter final I believe yeah, mate, mate, I don't. I, I can't re- remember that. Side no, of the I just remember well, the teletext, Aberdeen nil, everyone. See the, see the thing that uh, whether that was true or no, but that was that was told to us by the manager before the game. So either he was very clever, or it was the truth. But I'll tell you what, that was all the incentive we needed when we were in that dressing room. Mm-hmm. Because the draw, I think the draw was already made for the next round. Aberdeen or Airdrie versus Celtic. Well, Aberdeen, have sta- Aberdeen printed the tickets already. Oh, is that right? So I hope you stood. <laughs> <laughs> well, whether it was mine, someone said it for mine games, don't know, whatever it, it worked for you. Um, and then you also beat Celtic in the next round before... Um, the unfortunate incident against Dunfermline but yeah, come back to Hamden yep. um, you know for the cup final um, a 
believe um, Andy Smith also makes it to us an absolute cracking goal, and I believe we, I can't remember the um, the, the Wes Reed incident, but the T um, had a shot that went just over uh, the bar, which is a yeah, they hit a shot just for I was off by the anchor. Uh, Andy had come on for me, and uh, I was sitting in the dugout, and he's he's kind of half he's half hit a shot kind of crossing, and it's clipped it's clipped the crossbar. But it's one of them, you know, if it had hit the underside of the bar and going, but you know what, sorts and buts. But I, I think you were fair earlier on when you said that they never disgraced themselves. Because we were massive underdogs. And I think the fact Rangers hadn't won the Scottish Cup for about 10 years before that, I think that was their first win in the Scottish Cup final for 10 years. Aye, I think it was 11, um, but you're not far off. Um, Aye, well. but, that, but, but you still got, um, just getting to final, got you into Europe. Um, I actually went to that game that night um, against Sparta Prague, um, Airdrie's one and only European game. Did you? Um, Did you yeah, know? well. Airdrie was actually closer to me than Aberdeen at the time. Um, no, I, I went, Yeah, I went a couple of um, Airdrie games, mainly when Aberdeen were there. Um, but I went to that one. Um, and I'm looking at the Sparta Prague team for that night. Um, so they had a couple of Czech internationals and a young Pavel Nedved came off the bench as well very late on. Um, but again, Airdrie played very well that night and done by a last minute um, header from a free kick. Aye. But you didn't disgrace yourselves that night. It was fair corner, aye, up the top end. You know what, the disappointing thing about that night is, you're right, we played really well, and Marcel, Big Andy and Coyley, we, see between the three of us, I think we must have missed four or five chances, which you recall, you know what, goal scoring, it was a goal scoring opportunity, and we acquitted ourselves really well, but as you say, we lost, the disappointing thing for me that night was the crowd. I thought, you know, Airdrie, the town, you've got to, you've got to that cup final at Hampton, right? And you seen Airdrie had maybe nearly the whole end, maybe ten, fifteen thousand, and then you get into Europe and you think for the, oh, because trust me, Airdrie's never going to get into Europe again. You would think that there would have been a a bigger crowd, but I think people were disappointed with the draw, because at, at the time we've got, you know, Real Madrid, Barcelona, Juventus, one of the teams, and when the draw was made, or oh, Sparta Prague, it was like a damp squad. But we knew they were going to be decent, because I think they had knocked Rangers out of the Champions League the year before that. Yeah. But that's my t- People say to me, best player you ever played against, and I wouldn't say it is, because... They never really played much in the game. I would just go Pavel Nedved, and you can see people going, the fuck, he played against Pavel Nedved. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because <laughs> I've, I've, I've never played, I've played in Europe once. Well, I've actually, the year we got to Europe with Hearts, I travelled over when we played, Scott, remember us, we played Red Star. I travelled over, but I had an injury, but I, I'd done a bit of training and I, I, I wasn't able to make it. I would have been on the bench, but I never made it. So that was my whole adventure into Europe. But I just, I, I throw that odd one in now and again. Who have you played against? Nedved. Brilliant. Yeah, that's that's a good thing. You can say you played in the same picture as Pavel Nedved, even if it was for a minute that he came on. Um, 
yeah, a couple of seasons later, a couple of seasons later, getting back to the Scottish Cup final. Um, I'm not gonna lie when I say this from a neutral perspective. Um, that cup final was one of the worst games Scottish Cup finals I can remember. Um, it wasn't a great game. Um, but and for yourself, that must have been even more disappointing. Yeah, we were because to get that far again, and it was kind of strange. It wasn't. It wasn't as. It wasn't as. See, like the '92 one was a surprise for us because you just don't expect. And then when we get the '92, when we get to '95, you think, and it was just. I think it was the same scenario again. Celtic hadn't won it for ten years. I'm sure that was, that's probably, if you check your stats, that's maybe, they hadn't won it for 10 years again. So they were, they were going to be feeling the pressure just for the fact that they've known the Scottish Cup for so long. And I think it was a poor game, but you know what? I thought it was two poor teams on the day. They scored, they scored a goal where, it bugs me because I can always remember in the, Graham Hay was marking Big Pierre, set pieces and that, and the ball's coming to the box, and I, I, I can clearly remember the McDonald saying to him, see when the ball's coming to Van Hoendonk, you need to be with him, you need to be able to get a run on him before, don't let him get in first, and what happened, Big Graham got caught on his heels, and Big Van Hoendonk up and Big Jones, he said that back across Big Jones, so he's no chance of saving it. It's a good day out, but a good night after it, so that's that's about the most you can take for that. And you beat Hearts in the semi-final as well there, in that one? I, I, I deliberately didn't mention that because Scott's here, you know what I mean, <laughs> they upset the big man. No, it's it's fine, uh, I, I do remember that final as well though, and to be fair, I thought Andrew did a right concern, it was pretty much an away tie for you. Because uh, that was the season <laughs> that Celtic actually played at Hamden. They, they rented right. it for the yep. year. So always felt that that was a bit of an unfair advantage. Uh, but but aye, apart from that, there wasn't much else that happened in that game. But aye, the semi-final against Hearts again, it was just a rerun of previous means. We just couldn't... I mean, we had, we had a few empty jerseys that day. There was a few guys who were playing for Hearts that... Would have still been there when Alan signed a few months later. That clearly just couldn't make that jump. Ken, they, they played for they played for smaller clubs in Scotland and they'd done all right, you know. But the then signed for Hearts, Tommy McLean, I don't think ever really got settled in at the club for the twelve months he was there. And with the sort of standard of signings he was bringing in, it was clear that he, he just didn't quite get it. Uh, whereas when Jeffries came in, he felt like there was a plan, even when he signed Allen, even although it might have been, you know, a 12-month sort of thing, you could tell that we needed freshened up up front, you know, a fresh pair of legs, somebody to help Robbo and JC out as well, and that's why Allen was brought in. But, uh, but uh, good memories for Allen, maybe not so much for me. Uh, it wasn't a good Scottish Cup for us anyway, we get knocked out by Stenhouse, we also... Just think before you want to use going in, just in case, because obviously you played first tennis before in your career. Alan. I, I just seen that on the telly the other night. That tennis for Aberdeen game. I think it was on BBC iPlayer. 
it's probably done around a few times. Um, the BBC were supposed after the BBC showing um, defeats to Queen of the South and to Rangers in '91. They were supposed to be putting on um, some of Aberdeen's great games under Ferguson for a couple of hours, but no. Um, instead, we get Boris Johnson, so um, that's been <laughs> put back. So typical of a lot with the BBC. It's obviously not the BBC's fault that Boris Johnson was coming on at seven o'clock, and wish he wasn't. But we're digressing. Let's not go there, eh? No. Yeah, yeah. We just go to the the park, but know your family. Um, <laughs> but yeah, after your heart season, um, come come back to Airdrie um, for a spell and. Got to the playoff final, uh, but lost out to Hibs overall. Um, just how disappointing was that not being able to get Hibs back, Hibs get uh, Airdrie back up? Uh, it's a kind of strange one for me because when I, I went back to Airdrie that season, and by all accounts, uh, it was funny. I'll tell you the story. You got time? Is all right, right? Oh, of course. All night, yeah. Run the pre-season at Hearts, so. I'm thinking going to be a fresh season because the season before I'd done my pre-season at Airdrie, they made the Hearts. So I was going to start the pre-season with Hearts and buy it. What a, what a season that, what a session that was. I mean, Jim and Billy, they, they know how to get you fit. But anyway, I've done that. And we've done the photo call one day and Jim calls me into his office. She's at the pubs. Come and speak to me after the fix. I says, I ain't boss. Right. And she <laughs> sat down and she's, you'll not believe this. And she says, what? She says, somebody's what to sign you. And I went, would you? She says, you'll never believe who it is. So dafty here, I'm thinking, I'm not, I'm not, I can't believe it. I says, I'm at Hearts and I'm thinking, I'm at probably the third biggest club. In Scotland, and we were part of the Celtic Rangers. And I'm thinking, can he be? You be oh, you'll not believe it. And I'm, I'm just, I couldn't drag myself to say it. No, it's one of the big clubs. And I went, come on, just tell me who I sent you about Airdrie. Went, You're joking. You went, no, this is apparently we've spoke to somebody and blah, blah, it's been agreed that you're going back. So, See for the year before, remember I tell you, the year before I asked for £50 a week wage rise for two years. Well, I've the hearts, I've nearly trebled my wage, and Airdrie's working me back. And I think that's a strange one. So I says to Jim, I says, what's the script? Is? Because by then we'd signed Stevie Fulton, we'd signed Colin Cameron, we'd signed Neil McCann, Davey Weir, the Jim. He was getting a decent squad in, and he was getting ready, as Scott had said already, he was getting ready to Deadwood. And I says to him, I says, look, I've got a two-year contract, I've still got a year to go. I says, what's the plans for me regarding? He went straight in, he just says, well, he says, you'll be first-team squad all the time. He says, you'll be here. Can I promise you you're going to play every game? No, he says, because we've signed Mickey, we've signed Neil. He says, it's up to you. He says, but... What he did say to me was, use this move if you can go and get yourself a few quid. Because I was 33, 34 by then. It was, I'm not going to get another move after that. 
like money wise. So eventually, I, I did sign back for Airjet. In fact, I didn't even get time to say goodbye to the lads. After the photo call, I went back, took all my boots out, the stuff, got my hangway, because most of the boys were away because I'd been sitting in the gym. And then I think the, the next again night I played for Airjet. And uh, I, I went back. I went back because I went for the money. And that's the first time I'd ever done that in my life. Uh, and I wish now that I had stayed at Harps because I wasn't even at Airdrie for a year and Alec uh, binned me, parked me off. So I went to Partick where I swapped with... Oh, what's his name? Taxi driver, David Farrell. Fazz was at Partick. Me and Alec was watching him. But I, I read it between the lines when I, after I went back to Airdrie. I knew things were on the right with Alec McDonald, so when I when I resigned for the day, I never even spoke to Alec McDonald, I spoke to one of the directors. So I don't know if they've kind of said to the manager, but you have Alan Lawrence back and he's just my eye and so I went back and it, it was never the same. It's never the same. I had a, a wee spell, played a few games, scored a few goals, but then I just had this I had this feeling about it, something wasn't right, and then all of a sudden, after one game, the next the next Monday when I went to training, I was training with the reserves, and I was like, oh, I don't know what's going on here, but I never even I never even spoke to him. I just done what he said, and then I just rode it out until he was uh, he said to me, i will just going to use you to get another player okay. So that was that. I mean, you say it wasn't um, no right that second that second spell, um, and obviously, unfortunate things for the club um, ended up taking a turn for the worse. Um, you know, with the club going out of business a yep. few years later, um, and Graham in the second part of that question that you saw earlier, and I believe um, your reply was um, just keep your mouth shut, but tells the truth about George Peter if you'd like to. Uh... If you don't want to, as a, as a message to you, Alan, if you're uncomfortable answering, feel uh, free. No, 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 it's what I will say about George, because it's well known in here, anyway, that George's attitude, because obviously I've told you when I went back to Airdrie, the money I was on at Hearts was nearly, it was more than double what I had asked, you know what I mean? And then he says, no, we can't give you that. And I says, well, pff, what's the point? And he says, but we can give you it. And I sign an on fee to make up. And I says to George, I says, see, if you'd have just signed me, I'd see if you'd have given me the deal I asked for a year ago, which was an extra £50 a week, I would be here now. And it wouldn't be costing you this. And he just turned around and said, it's no my money, son. And I went, right, OK then. So... That's where we were. That's as far as I'll go regarding the George Beat thing, but that was just his kind of attitude towards it, if you like. But Airdrie should never have moved for that stadium. See the old Broomfield? Mm-hmm. He should have waited till somebody was going to give them a stadium that was going 
going to be worthy uh, moving through Broomfield. And then I think that new law come out, you have to have a 10,000 all-seater. See whoever made that rule, you're about stabbed. Because that, that finished a lot of clubs out. That that destroyed clubs. Trying to make... I mean, I, I'm at Airdrie of the home game now. See that Excel? I don't know if you've ever been to Excelsior. I have a few times, yeah. Have you been at, but have you actually been in the bar and in the lounges? And no. What a setup! I mean, it's it could easily host a Premier League team, without a doubt. It's got the facility there, and yet they're getting six, seven hundred at the games. Three stands sitting empty because of this ten thousand all seat stadium thing that was brought in. Just mental, and I always say that the day that Airdrie moved to Broomfield, that was the start of the downfall. And look where they are now. Quite sad because it was a it was a great it was a great team in the time I was there, and people liked going to watch. But now there's an apathy towards it. Yeah, I think most neutrals um, had a um, a liking to Erdre at that point because of the cup runs and and things and things like that. It's just a shame what um, what happened as you mentioned. Um, but another teammate I want to just um, briefly bring up um, from your second spell. Um, a guy called Forbes Johnson. Um, Forbes, yeah, yeah, because uh, unfortunately, like ten years, ten, eleven years later, whatever it was, um, he sadly took his own life in Australia. Um, yeah. And I remember from a, a Facebook group page um, that you said at one point you had um, battles with uh, mental health. Um, just how bad did it get for you, and how difficult was it for you to open up um, in the time that you were a player? Well, in the time that I was a player, probably I would say when I first kind of knew I had problems would be around about uh, the early 90s, just when we started going. And I, I don't know what it was or whatever, but some, I used to just go into training some days and I used to be like, I just couldn't wait till training was finished to just get in my car and get back up the road. I wouldn't stop, I wouldn't have a chat with the boys and sometimes the boys would come out with him, blah, blah, and then, but it's very hard to explain. I just, I was in a place that things weren't going well for me. Uh, things at home, private life stuff, and then that environment wasn't where you brought it out. It just didn't feel right because see, back in the day, if you were to go up to somebody say, "Oh, I'm struggling," and blah blah, you would have got laughed at and just look, you need to fucking man up, blah blah. That's just the way. It wasn't the environment, and they still say that to this day. Now it's a very difficult environment to come out because eh, you would have got mocked different now because there's a big thing now, I'm, I'm right into it as well now, there's a big thing about suicide awareness and mental health but I did suffer and then I ended up I went to where did I go Stenish Muir, Cowden Beath back to part time, back to working again and just things aren't going the way you want, they're not making the same money and just 
things got on top of me and I just eventually I just crashed and then my wife was saying to me and I was you just sit and you deny it I was like no I'm fine everything will be fine I'm fine blah blah and then my sister had had a word with me and then that's when eventually I just said oh, I need to go and get help so I did I went uh, seen a therapist for about nine or ten sessions helped me clear a lot out my mind and get out my system what I had to do and how to cope when I was in a certain frame of mind and that helped me and I've been on medication now since 2013, seven years now and I've, since I've been on that I've been in a much, much better place, a much, much better place and I'm able to cope with stuff that I couldn't cope with before. But I think one of the things is when, when you're in the football full time and you're there and you, you don't realise, I said to you earlier on, it's a job. You just go over the flow, you just go over the flow, but the minute it's not there, then you think, I was never I was never academic at school, so I was never going to have a top job. So I'm in a general labour, driving jobs or whatever. I was just searching about, trying to find something. And it, uh, it got on top of me. But as I say, since, since I've been on... Uh, medication I've been I've been fine and my life's my life in the last five, seven, eight years has been great, been great. I'm glad to hear that um you're 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 back well and truly back on the men's we obviously we were supposed to be doing a game for back on site um, mental health charity in March but for COVID nineteen obviously um put pay to that. Um which is unfortunate and again just reading a bit I mean, in Forbes' case, he had a serious knee injury um, that ended his career. Um, do you think, um, in terms of clubs in the Scottish PFA, um, that more needs to be done to help to help players, um, you know, for the after um, the afterlife of football, so to speak? Yeah, I think one hundred percent. The FA do that. You look at Paul. Look at Paul Gascoigne. What that man had. And where he is now, he that he 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 needed help, and the FA there to help him. No, but I look see Forbes. I was at Forbes funeral. He was a teammate of mine, and other players that I know. Uh, Paul McGrillan, Justin Fashioner, all these guys that took their own life. And I just think there's enough uh, enough people lost their lives over the years to make the, the league or the FA realise that they should be doing something in some kind of way to try and help people after they come out of the game. Because as you see, you come out, you've done that all, all the years, and if you're somebody like myself, no qualified, it's very hard to get a job. And some people, there's a stigma with players as well. When you go for employment, some people look at it and they think, he's a football player, he's, he's not going to be fancying the work. But actually, before I went full-time, I was working when I left school. 
I worked for three or four years, and then, so I knew what I was coming back to when it, but it was just an amalgamation of things that got caught up with me, but I definitely think that the, the Scottish game needs to be helping players after, after their playing days. Aye, absolutely. I think as well, uh, we've spoken about it before, and the government has a part to play as well in suicide awareness and different things like that as well. They seem to seem to turn up kind of a bit of a blind eye to it. They don't see the problems that maybe they cause with certain things as well. Aye, well, but, it's very big at Irji. It's very big at Irji. Irji make a big thing of it now. Yeah, I think a lot of clubs are doing good things now as well, aren't they? I've heard a of clubs having chaplains yeah, yeah. and different things like that so that players have something to yeah. talk to and there's, there's more chance for players to talk about how they're feeling and different things like that. Yeah, the more yep. the more that's done, the better, certainly. Well, I, as I say, back in the day when I played, it was just there was no danger of opening up, no danger because you know, would have, you would have been mocked because that's just the environment it was at that time. But people I, have people have to realise that the, as, as the years go on, things change, things change. And even then, when these guys committed suicide, nobody ever turned around and went, why did they do that? So I must have, whatever he said, uh, it was mental health. Why else do you commit suicide? It's mental, absolutely mental. Uh, just as a kind of side note, kind of going on in terms of from your football career, though associated with football, uh, you're a, a movie star. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I shot it, <laughs> Well, listen, that's what I keep saying. You're no bad for a wee Edinburgh scheme. Played in, played in the derby, played in cup finals, and done a done a movie with Robert Duvall and Michael Keaton. It's no bad, is it? And Ali McCoist. Aye, John Martin and Owen Coyle John Martin and Owen Coyle Andy Smith, Kenny Black Oh there were sinners in them, sinners in them. It came about because Some guy that John McVeigh knew This is when we were at Partick I was at Partick this time Marcel, B. Jimmy Boyle was there Peter Heatherstan And John All with the Airdrie connection So Whoever the boy that was filming I can't even remember his name, the director had a link up through Sunday with John McVeigh. So when they were coming over to look at the football side of things, Duval, they, they used Partick. They just come in, obviously. And you, I don't know if you knew John, but for God's sake, John was old school. He was right up there ranting and roaring and throwing stuff in that right in your face. So Duval loved that. Duval absolutely loved that. So if you've ever watched the movie, you see him in the dressing room and he's throwing cups and that was that was what he had this concept of what the Scottish football managers were like. But John had just turned around and says to us one day in the dressing room, he says, look, see these guys are going to make this movie and instead of getting actors in because they're shite at playing football, <laughs> they're going to use some of you guys if you've got the time to do it. Bring it on. So you were gonna we're going on site. I'm not gonna tell you much we're getting paid in case somebody's listening. <laughs> 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 so 
you went in in the morning, signed the book, and you went in, and had a big canteen back where you went and got your breakfast. And you could be there till seven o'clock at night, and you've never been used. So you'd be in, so there was always a ball there, so you could have a game of head tennis. There was cards there, you could play cards. Or if the weather was nice, you'd just fly about in the sun. But other days, if you were getting filmed, and some of the days we were getting filmed, it, you know, it's monotonous. We may be doing a scene for 30 seconds, right? At last 30 seconds, but you do it about 20 times. And then you're day, oh, can we do this? Can we do that? So, but it was a great experience. I loved it. Absolutely loved it. And then went to, went to see it at the premiere in Glasgow. Driven in with the limos on that. Brilliant. No, Absolutely Hollywood didn't come calling. No, it didn't come calling. <laughs> <laughs> if Super Ali wasn't getting there, I wasn't getting there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just wanted to ask as well. I'm a kind of fan of the juniors. I watched a fair bit of junior football. Um, you had to, obviously, your time at Bathgate, enjoyable times. Yeah. Aye, great times because obviously I finished uh, when I finished at the senior game. Uh, a pal of mine, Frederick, uh, Paul Jack. He was an Airdrie teammate of mine, so a good friend of mine. He had he had made the transition before that. He was he had went to Bathgate, played a couple of seasons, and he was now assistant manager with Willie Hill. And I had finished playing at uh, Cowden, and he asked me to go up, and I thought it would just be like a coach of that, and he probably just play for that. I, I can't even remember what age it was. I must have been near. Must have been near 40. Couldn't have been a thick nurse off it. And I went, you know, and I've, you hear all these stories about the juniors when they expose back in. So I, I, think I went, in, went in and played for a season. And uh, by all accounts, done all right, done good. And then stepped up for there. Well, it kind of made his, uh, made Paul assistant manager. I was first team coach. So we had a couple of, we had a few good years there. We got to two Scottish Cup finals in the time I was there. Lost one again and then finally won one. So, in fact, the, the year that we, I'm sure the year that we lost the Scottish Cup, we lost the league on goal difference as well. I lost the Talbot, which is my team in the, the Cup. Aye. But then you beat our rivals, Cumnock. <laughs> That's how it become what a record they've got in the Scottish Cup that walking like in there. Yeah, aye, that's terrific aye. Great times to watching. Well, we, actually, we actually signed when I was assistant manager at Airdrie with Jimmy Boyle. We signed John Boyle. Yep, yeah, John Boyle, aye. Brilliant striker. Because we had been away there, I'm seeing when we were at Bathgate and we had played walking like in that and we were away and I says to Jimmy I says, I says, I says That's, he's an Airdrie boy. So and then it was one thing when Jimmy got the manager's job, I was doing the pro youth. He asked me to step up, be his assistant. So I done that, and then just talking one time, we were talking about players, and I remember John Boyle. Yeah, she's of course I. So we ended up and John John come here, and he actually he had done very well, done very well. He, you know it can be a hard step up for junior. Uh, yeah, but John. John Dunnett scored a few good goals and ended up he captained the team as well and he was he was a good signing for us because he was good you know he was a good example for the younger lads so I uh, good good uh, 
good team walking like. No, I definitely. But that's not, it's not bad. You've had a career whereby uh, legend at Airdrie, and then you must be a legend at Bathgate as well for to love the only Junior Cup final as well. So, well, I, I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't go as far as that because I was only a coach for the time. I always think that you're more, you're more there. At, see if you're a player, then you're part of it. But I think yeah. if you're, you're on the coaching staff, then you're not really doing a great deal. I maybe do yourself a disservice. Aye, well, you never know, you never know. I've just got a quick question um, before we bring Scott um, out of his coma, because he's not really good. Right. Fuck <laughs> <laughs> it's Phil Allen, don't worry. Um, no, it's from no. someone called Ken, um, and he just wants to ask how many pumpings the bankies gave Meadow Bank and Airdrie when he was there. That'll be Ken, you do. Well, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He was a brilliant guest. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, to say hello. I, I listen to it. I, right, Big Ken, brilliant. He actually, see, he come to Airdrie, right? And I was like, ah, oh, Christ, because I think, I'm not sure if Stevie Cooper was there at that time or no, but I'm thinking, I don't know, I was just signing big strikers now. What's happening to the wee guy? So, Ken, I don't know if Ken told you the story. He, he went in. And he was he started playing, he was scoring for us, right? And then uh, he went in and he was dropped and he said to Adam McDonald, uh, why did you sign me if you're not playing me? And we don't hit him in the way. So you couldn't score against us. <laughs> Apparently that's a true story. <laughs> but uh, to- uh, aye. Listen, he he might have scored a few ask just say if does he remember my amazing goal at Clyde Bank? And if you can't remember it, tell him to check it on YouTube. <laughs> I'll send him a link to this podcast, don't worry, so he'll uh, get that. He had a good memory when he was on anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was hoping for something funnier, um, but he says he wouldn't say a bad word against you. <laughs> nah, I've done, me and Kenny were kind of, we weren't there long enough to get involved in any shenanigans or that. Are you wanting funny stories? I can tell you a funny story. I can tell you a cracker, right? Sitting pre-match at the end of the 91-92 season, I thought the season we got Big Fash. Big Fash come to Airdrie to save us, right? Stop us because we got, we're fighting relegation. So he got signed, come in. And unfortunately, we still got relegated anyway. But I can remember we were going, playing one of our last games of the season we were, it was an away game and we were sitting having pre-match so I'm sitting at the table there's me Jimmy Boyle who's for Glasgow Kenny Black who's for Stennis Muir Paul Jack for Stirling and me for Edinburgh and Big Fash so we're sitting in Big Fash he's like he says I've got a I've got a bit of a dilemma guys he says I, I want to speak to you guys because you're, you're the the most senior guys in the team and you're probably giving me the best advice. She's like, what is it? He says, I'm going to stay up here when I'm finished here at Airdrie. He says, but I've got three teams wanting me to sign. I don't know what's the best option. So, right, no bother. So, what's the teams? Dundee United, Kilmarnock and Harps. So, uh, he's asking about that and then, uh, once in Dundee United, once in Kilmarnock, I'm going, wait, uh, 
hearts. You need to go to hearts. That's the biggest team out of that a lot. I says, to the third biggest team in Scotland, we boily pipes up. Why is he want to go to Edinburgh? It's full of poofs like you. <laughs> so, needless to say, Flash went to hearts. <laughs> That's a true story. Brilliant. Why is he want to go through there? Right? It's full of poofs. Oh, honestly, I hope that's all right to tell that story on. Aye, it's all right. But, uh, aye, there's, I mean, there's loads of stories I could tell you, but it would be allegedly and blah, blah, and blah, blah, and I couldn't name names. Yeah, I've had that a few times, you're like, then yeah. when we've asked about dressing room pranks and different things like that, and aye, sometimes stories can be told and sometimes they can't. Aye. You know, it's like when the lads are on tour, what's on tour stays on tour. Yeah. Uh, so, so, Scott, just to bring you back in. I get Scott. Sorry, Scott. <laughs> no, it's uh, good, right? Need to ask you as a Hearts fan, right? The Romanov years, was it just a roller coaster? What did it feel like? I, I mean, to, to try and describe the Romanov years in one media-friendly soundbite, I just don't <laughs> know. I think we, we needed to have started the podcast at seven this morning if yeah, I really wanted to try and convey that that whole episode, that whole saga. I mean, I've actually I've been starting to talk to a few guys who worked behind the scenes at the time in terms of the physio department and that. And I actually worked with a guy who was on the books at Hearts for a few years, uh, Marco Bosi, uh, who spent a bit of time with Rafe Rovers and that as well. And he's been telling me some of the stories, in, even for training and pre-season and that. And it's like, the stuff about Pyjama Man and Rina with the sticks and that, you just thought this has to be like urban football myths. And he's like, no, it's true. Like, they had you taken shots here in blood with vodka, like, all sort of mad <laughs> medical experiments. Again, just, just weird stuff. Again, asking Paul Hartley and Stephen Presley to wheelbarrows with each other in pre-season <laughs> training. Again, just all sorts of nonsense. Uh, you try join uh, in training as well, like, get involved. <laughs> Well, seemingly I. Uh, one of the things that the this was one that Ryan McGibbon told me a few years ago. One of the things that they done with Craig Gordon was they would kick a ball and just ask him to run after the ball and see if he could run faster than the ball. It's like that scene for the movie Goal. I don't know if you guys have ever seen it, where he's trying to teach him about you can't get as fast, can you can't move as fast as the ball. So learn to become a team player. Seemingly, Hertz were doing that with Craig Gordon during pre-season. In <laughs> uh, places like Monaco and that, just some of the... I mean, one day, I think now, I think for a few years, people were scared to come out and say certain things about Romanov because it maybe signed disclosures, but there's more and more now coming through the Simon Ferry podcasts and that. I think yeah. eventually somebody will write a book and it'll make them millions. I Simon Ferry told the story about how he claimed... It- a world champion at basketball or something like that. Some daft like that. <laughs> aye. aye. Well, he did win strictly. He won strictly over there, I think, or he, or he took part in the, the Lithuanian version of Strictly Come Dancing. So, aye, definitely a character. I think I'll just leave it at that. 
I have to ask, in terms of the, the three cup um the three cup finals that uh, you've won um since nineteen ninety because Aberdeen haven't obviously won anything then since then, well Scottish Cup wise. Um which of those three finals um was the best and why? I know it should be obvious, but there's two that probably jump out of those three. Ninety eight by a mile. There's, it's, it, actually, the five one doesn't even get close to ninety eight for me. There's a couple of reasons for it. I think first of all, the age I was at when we won it in ninety eight, so I was just coming up for fifteen. I wish I'd been a couple of years older so that my dad <laughs> couldn't have just left me on Gorky Road and go to a pub and tell me to make my way home. Uh, <laughs> but like me and me and my dad, like. We, We've got a good relationship, but we've not got a relationship like you'd see in, in a Disney movie where the dad and the son always seem to be hugging each other and embracing each other. But the, the only time I, I really feel like I've ever closely sort of like warmly hugged my dad was at the end of that final. Uh, he was he was an old school guy. He'd been watching Hearts for about 30 years by this stage. I've never seen them win anything. So when Hearts went 2-0 up earlier in the second half, he went to the toilet and never came back till the full-time whistle. Like, there was him and a crowd of about 20 or 30 other guys who had obviously suffered, like I mentioned earlier, years of watching guys like Alan can put us out the cup a few times with Airdrie. There'd been semi-finals and finals with Aberdeen. Again, there'd been a few. Again, they had that always the bridesmaid tag. We'd even get named named a fanzine after always the bridesmaid in the early 90s. So we had that tag, and I think to get that monkey off our back was a, a big reason why I'd always say it was my favourite. That in the game itself, it was always on a tightrope. We, we went 2-0 up, Rangers then battered us. They got about six minutes injury time to try and get another goal. Whereas really, with the Hibs game, we pretty much celebrated winning it for about the 50th minute onwards. It kind of became a bit of a non-event. Unfortunately, the the great about the 5-1 game was that Paolo Sergio, for all his brilliance that season in the cup run, had too much respect for him as a club. And when we went 4-1 up, we had them on the racks. There were duty 10 men. Their right-back docker, who's now came on to be a great player at Wolves, uh, was struggling against Daddy Driver and had just been booked. And you just, I just wish that JJ had been manager at the time because if Jim Jeffries had been there, we would have hit them for seven, eight, or nine. Uh, but we'd, we basically just kept the ball for forty minutes after that, and that was always the biggest, biggest frustration was no going up there and just scalping them by a few more. But ninety-eight for obvious reasons, that'll always be my favourite. We would need to win the league, which isn't going to happen. We would need to win the league to surpass 98, I think, for a lot of Hearts fans. Some team you had back then as well, 98. Mm-hmm. Good team. Aye, aye, it was. It was a really good team. Again, that took two or three years to put that team together. So there was a lot of the hard work had been done that year that Alan was there. And then it was just a case he just added a couple of guys each season that complemented the guys that were already there. And uh, it's just a shame that once... Jeffrey's got a wee bit of money, he just didn't seem to care what to do with 
we started sending guys like Gordon Petrich on five-figure sums, getting wages-wise and that. Just It was strange how it all sort of ended uh, after that season, but uh, great memories. Uh, and, yeah, I mean, 2006, with, the run was good. You know, we've, we actually had a really hard run. We had Aberdeen, we had Partick, we had Kilmarnock, and then Hibs in the semi. But again, I think because we knew we had Gretna in the final, the semi-final against Hibs was almost like the final. So I think, again, that's probably why 98 is a clear winner for me. That was a break-up in that Rangers team as well. A few players uh, left after yeah. them. Mm-hmm. Aye, that's right. I, three quarters of their team. Aye, that was right. And it was the first year in nine... Well, they only won the league. But I think it was the first season for about nine or ten years that they only won anything. Aye, that's, that's always an enjoyable season. <laughs> 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 yeah, it was already right. disappointing from the 90A point of view was the fact that John Robertson never got off the bench. Aye. Uh, it, I think it was, although it was the right decision to yeah. win the game. I think because they were pretty much just bombarding our, our box with high balls and playing set plays and bringing Jim Hamilton on made sense to that point of view, so it was good. I mean, to be fair, I think that could have been one where certain managers might have let their heart rule their head. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I think they tried to get a moan for the last 10, 20 seconds to waste a bit of time, but fortunately the you know the whistle went and it was good just to get you know, just to see him lift that trophy and, and win a medal after being there, you know, through two different spells for the best part of 16, 17 years. He kind of felt like he was accepting that medal on behalf of getting other guys. Alan played with like Henry Smith and big, you know, Dave McPherson was still there, but you know, Craig Levine and Gary McKay and that. I felt like it was a collective. He was there on behalf of all of the guys that had been there in previous seasons. See, uh, what was your first Hearts game, Scott? If, if I'm being honest, I would probably ask my dad, but one of the ones that I actually remember first going to was a pre-season friendly against Spurs in 1990. Uh, so I'm actually a, I'm a bit of a Spurs fan as well. And I think it's all down to, this, down to seeing them play at this stage. And this was right off the back of Italia 90. So they had Lineker and Gascoigne playing for them. So they were a really good side at that time. Uh, and it's it's one of the first games I remember going to. I, I maybe went to a handful of games before then, but that's really where I remember, you know, starting to go to the matches. Well, that's not do. Alan, do you remember your first game you went to? Uh, I can't remember if it was the first game that I went to, but I can remember the, f- the first memory of me actually remembering about the game was the 7-1 game at Tynecastle. Nineteen seventy two or so. Seventy three. Seventy three. Is it seven nothing? Seven 0 Is it seven 0 uh, That that in my head sticks out more than anything. And I, I don't know if it was the first game I ever went to or if it was just the first one that I actually was old enough to realise where I was or well, I, I've, I've actually no idea, but I can, re- I can remember that game clear as day. I'll upset a few folk. 
you know what I remember about another game? I can remember going to the the seventy-two Scottish Cup. I have got beat six-one. Celtic. Dixie Dean's maybe scored a hard trick. Mm-hmm. And I can remember being at that game at Hamden, and I was actually I was on my dad's shoulders. Because the crowd was that thing, I wouldn't have seen anything. I was on my dad's shoulders and he had a beer, a can of beer in each pocket for me to rest my feet on. And that's how I watched that game. I think there was over a hundred odd thousand at that game. Mental. But no, if you're asking me, I can't I can't I can't clearly remember my first game that I went to. Yeah. Old. <laughs> Um, trust me, got a memory like a sieve. Uh, who were your early heroes growing up, Scott? I would say it was just because I always fancied myself being a bit of a centre half uh, or right back due to lack of ability. Uh, I'd, I'd say my my favourite players at the time were probably Alan McLaren and Craig Levine. They were probably the two that are. I really sort of looked up to when I was when I was going to the games. They would be the guys that I would tend to try and watch because I was playing a bit of boys club football myself. So I wanted to sort of model myself on them. Uh, unfortunately, I probably played more like Graham Hogg when I was a, <laughs> when I was playing at boys club. Uh, but they were they were definitely the two that I always and and that's the weird thing. Like I've. Through doing my other sort of, my own sort of podcast stuff and that in the past, I've I've got to meet a few ex-players, and it's kind of strange. You meet guys like Scatchell, or I've done stuff with Ryan McGowan, or a Mikey Stewart, people that have a decent profile amongst fans nowadays, and it was fine. I, I was fine speaking to them. I got to interview Gary McKay, and it was the most nervous I was. You know, the you know, the interviews I've done. Because you revert back to that sort of ten-year-old state of mind, and for for me, meeting those types of guys would always have more of a sort of it would always bring out that anxiety and that nervousness and that excitedness in me, rather than say meeting somebody who I'd followed when I was in either my my early twenties or my early thirties. Can you feel like you can interact with those guys fine? Uh, where you know when you're ten, they are actually your heroes. I know that's a bit using a bit of hyperbole, describing footballers as heroes. But for you, when you're at that age, that's what they are, ultimately. Oh, I definitely don't doubt about it. Yeah, I was the same in an interview Brian Irvin a few weeks ago. Um, but yeah, it was weird, um, you know, having a an adult conversation with someone that, you know, I was idolising when I was nine. So. Is that your boy? Yeah, no. Mm-hmm. Brian Irvin's yeah. fair, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I... Supported Aberdeen, so it wasn't a uncommon thing for no. West Coast people to support Aberdeen. What about yourself, Alan, in terms of heroes growing up? Uh, well, when I grew up watching that Hibs team, I can remember Pat Stanton. Was, he was always a player that stuck out for me, but my, the real one as I got into football was Ked Elvish. Kenny Dalgleish was just phenomenal for me. Unbelievable. I used to think, I can always remember when they played with Scotland, I'd say, Dalgleish is rotten when they played for Scotland. 
it wasn't it was the other way about Dalgleish was the top man and the rest were rotten they weren't as clever as Kenny Dalgleish I used to think he was playing passes and I th- see if he was playing for Liverpool somebody would know to run onto that see when he was playing with the boys for Scotland they're like looking at him as if he's, if he's at fault he was, too, he was too clever for the guys he played with which is quite strange when you consider that Scotland had a, a lot of players playing at top English teams, like, um, for example, like said, Peter Lorimer and uh, you know had a great championship winning Leeds, for example. Um, but... I remember that Leeds team, they were fully Scots, weren't it? Yeah. Yeah. about that era. Had, uh... Most of the English teams had a lot of Scots to back in that date, back in the era. Yeah, doesn't happen now, does it? No. Yeah. And you wouldn't get... Um, TV exclusive interviews like Clough versus Revy nowadays. Could you imagine that now? Uh, Lennon, Lennon versus Gerrard on the same programme. <laughs> Not quite the same, eh? No, definitely same. not. <laughs> um, uh, the, game, the game's changed massively. Yeah. Question for you both. Um, what's your favourite beer? Or alternative if you don't drink beer? Mine's... I'm... Uh, on, I'm Moretti than now. I like my Moretti. Do we cans? Is it the cans or the bottles? Cans, bottles or draft? I quite like the. I get the cans quite a lot at Tesco. I oh. quite like them. Just, I'll drink it. I like bottles are good. But I found out uh, and it was the golf club first got it when it come in and I hadn't tasted it and somebody says I've got a new one. It's Moretti. Try that uh, on draft. Freezing cold after a nice game of golf, sitting out in the sun. Well, it can't oh, even be that. can be expensive in the old draft, mind you. Aye, aye. Still, mate, but you, you only pay for quality, didn't you? Aye. So, what well, are you, Scott? Uh, well, mine, I've actually not touched a drop in three years. Uh, so, I went on a, went on a stag down Berlin three years ago for my uncle, and uh, it's fair to say that it broke me. So I've stayed off the sauce since then, but up until that stage, I used to always love Bellingham best. That was always my triple to settle the stomach. And then, time I wanted to hit the clubs, it was then only the Jack Daniels and Cokes for me. <laughs> what about you? Uh, I think we're going to be doing uh, the five aside teams. Oh, I definitely I. <laughs> Yeah, that was that question came from uh, Cal McFadden, who does his own podcast, but has been on here before. Has supported this, so yeah, on to you, Scott. Right, so I mean, obviously, I've tried to think about this and not just pick the five best Hearts players and five most disappointing Hearts players. I've wanted to try and put it within the context of whether I thought would be any good on a five-side <laughs> team, because there is quite a difference. I mean, if you Aye. think back mm-hmm. to the ten and sixties days. Yes. You'd watch guys who, you, they were probably boo boys for your team. And then you'd watch them play in a five-a-side park and go, oh, they're actually no bad. <laughs> and it's it's the same, like, there's been a few guys that have come and went at Hearts over the last few years. And you'll get to speak to some of the players. It's like, you should have seen them in training during the week. They were brilliant. Just psychologically, <laughs> they just couldn't, can, couldn't quite bring it. Alan, was that not fair you reached? Eh? Was that another thing we reached was 10 and 60s? I won, it, I won it the year I was at Dundee. And then... <laughs> Sorry, I can't remember. No, it's fine. We got to... Well, I think we got to the final there, Jeff. I can't remember. 
definitely win it with Dundee. Me and Harf, Graham Harvey finished top goal scorers. And the money was used for a wee trip to Magaluf. Woohoo! Nice. No bad. Right. Anyway, Scott, sorry. <laughs> Aye, right, so, so in terms of, I'll do the best one first. So uh, for that, I picked Jim Jeffries as a manager. I just felt like at five-a-side level, it's not really about the tactics. It's probably about getting the right man-manager <laughs> that can sort of motivate you. I went for Henry Smith for my goalkeeper because I think goalkeepers at five-a-side level need to be a bit crazy and a bit eccentric. And I think Henry was probably good at that. Plus, the poorest side of his game was probably dealing with cross balls which you wouldn't need to date five aside, so <laughs> it would take away that issue for him. Uh, <laughs> uh, I then went for Michael Smith, who's still at the club. He plays a number of positions, really very versatile, really comfortable in the ball. He's actually quite deceptively quite quick as well, especially over five, ten yards. Uh, Thomas Vogel played first uh, part of that 98 winning team, but again, a guy who probably to his detriment, was played in a number of positions for Hearts in the five years he was there. But technically, really sound player, really good player. And then Gary Mackay and John Robertson would make up the team just purely because there's a certain degree of telepathy. I think because they'd known each other, if you say boys club football and that as well, when they'd been younger, when they were on the park at Hearts, some of the wee one-twos and that that they played, and the way that Robbo would keep the ball in for getting Gary to make those sort of late runs. Yep. I just feel like that mm-hmm. would really complement each other well uh, when it came to a five-a-side team. That's one of the things I noticed when I played. Not even the five-a-side team when we were playing in the games. You knew if she if you were a striker in the box, Scott, you knew, see if Mackay seen a pass coming from wide into the box to you, he would, he would start his run knowing that you're just going to stop it and just let him take it. He just he, he was brilliant for that. That was, that was one of Mackay's strongest points. Bogut played into wee Robbo and then Mackay would just make that run and wee Robbo would just know, just lay off at the right time. Brilliant at doing that. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was pretty much my, my rationale for picking them. Uh, the, the most disappointing team I've tried to be a bit funny with this so that it wasn't just a case of just calling guys out for their, their ability to lack of, but for one or two, I had to do it for that reason. For goalkeeper Joel Pereira this year, I mean, the boy's riddled with holes. He, he just, he, I mean, he would struggle to catch a beach ball in a, in a phone box. He, like, he just, struggled to catch just, a hold. <laughs> aye, he's just awful. Uh, I went with George Wright because I think that when it comes for versatile players, Thomas Vogel's the Waitrose version. George Wright's more an Aldi version. He was a guy who, again, he was there for a brief time, I think, when Alan came and joined Hearts. Uh, he was still right. there for a brief spell. And he, he wasn't a bad player, but he always was just a guy who you'd rely on to come in and sort of fill up and plug a hole for a game or last 10 minutes of a match. Pretty unremarkable career. Uh, Ozigan Calvez played for us a few years ago. He actually wasn't a bad centre half, but the thing he's best known for, he used to get called the shepherd at Tidecastle because he used to be able to shepherd the ball for even like the halfway line 
for a goal kick. It was just one of these things you could do. Now, at five-a-side football, he wouldn't really do that, so you're taking away his biggest power. Uh, Hans Eskelson would be in there. Again, just purely because he scored twice for Hearts and they were both for an So, again, no something you can do at five-a-side football. So, Hans, the world poker star, would have been in there. Uh, Julian Brelli, again, a guy I quite liked at Hearts, but he would get a nosebleed when he went past the halfway line. So, he'd been a used to as well. And for a manager, again, a bit of a controversial pick, but hopefully my rationale will make sense. So, I picked George Burley, and it's only because most five-a-side parks have bars close by. And I just think that <laughs> George would probably have ended up in the bar, so that's why I vote for George Burley. <laughs> ah, boy, boy. I was not expecting that. <laughs> wee bit different for you, Alan. Uh, John, over to you. You like you know, this is your big moment. <laughs> Me? Yeah, this is a... My question is Alan. Yeah, best right. 11. A pleasure playing. Best player. 11? What, Hearts or Airdrie? Oh, all of Best 11 from pleasure played with. And the best manager. Oh, gee, was. I, I did remind you earlier, and if you you've got, listened before, you would have thought that. No, <laughs> my best goalie will have to be Johnny Martin. Scott will know about big Johnny's. He's a big madcap keeper, but I'll tell you what, the big man can, the big man could play, can save penalties or not. So he would be my goalie. My right back would be Gary Locke. I've played with some. I'll get, I mentioned Jimmy Boyle that I had when I was at Airdrie and all, but I just think Locke was a more a push player than we Boyle. We Boyle just he loved a tackle and a a ninety yard diagonal. I like somebody that if I was playing out wide right's going to overlap me and we Boyle didn't do that. Lockie would. So he's got that. My left back would be Neil Poynton. When he come to he come to Hearts just around about the same time as me. He was a, he was a great player. Great pedigree. Played with a couple of big clubs, and he was he was a really decent guy, and he was he was top notch, a good player. Centre backs would be Pascali Bruno. He would be in there, and I would have him in. Yeah, another guy that I played with, Erdre. Scott, I know about this guy. I know Paul Jack. That's Two of the dirtiest bees that you could have ever <laughs> Scott, you remember when Paul Jack took your robo out of Hamden? Well, aye. I was just going to say, though, Alan, I'm hoping that this is a team that would need to still be playing in the 90s because they wouldn't last very long in today's <laughs> climate. I mean, even Neil Poynton would have to get I mean, I don't know if John, I don't know if the two Johns remember this, but. Neil Pointer had a bit of a personal issue with Joe Miller for a good year or two. Yeah, uh, yeah. I remember a game at Tidecastle where Joe Miller got away with stamping on him and I think it cost them to point and I can't remember if Joe Miller got a bad injury and there was something involved in pointing with that and there just maybe a bit of needle between the two afterwards. Yeah, 
to be fair, you liked a straight leg. Aye. <laughs> he did. He liked a straight leg. You'll notice my tease. No, I'm picking for guys that I played with. That, that's my team. I could maybe go and pick in other guys. Now, I'm going to, for guys that I played with, and it's my two teams is going to come for Airdrie and Hearts. So that's my back four. Lockie, Bruno, Paul Jack, and Neil Point and my midfield. Right. Wide right. I'm not even picking myself here. I'm not putting myself on this team. JC. When I went to Hearts, I played. You were talking about the wee guys, Scott. All the wee guys. When I was at Hearts, it was me, Robo, and JC. And we done we done some damage that season. We scored some amount of goals for three wee boys. I'll tell you that now. Never had any big guy coming in to help us out. We just got the boys, played up the channels, or played into feet, and we just. We just moved off each other, so it worked a treat for us. So we JC would be in there. On the left, I would have had the Alan Johnston, the magic. Mm. Wow, that, the talent that boy had was unbelievable. It was a pleasure to be in his uh, his team at training. Honestly, if you're at training under pressure, just give the boy to me, get the magic, and let him go and do stuff. Middle of the park, I would have Kenny Black, because Blackie can play, but he's just a beast. And he's desperate to win. He's desperate to win. And who else would I have in that midfield beside him as his mate? Gary Mackay. Another one. Never know. Never know when he's beaten. Never know when he's beaten. So that's my four in the midfield and my two up front will be John Robertson and the other striker that I played with, Big Fash. That's my two. We Robo can run about and Big Fash just they two. That was it. That's my team, mate. That is a pretty good team. Who's your manager of it? <sighs> It's, uh, it's a double management team. It's Art McDonald and Jim Jeffries. It's a duo. Ah, you had that back in the night as a fair bit, so co-managers. That's where I've based on my team and coming many times, but that's that's the guys that I played with. That's the guys I knew. And that's the guys, if I could have them now in this era, would destroy any team, that team. Yeah, physically and mentally. Um, <laughs> no, that was that was brilliant. That's a, that's a pretty strong side. Um, I mean, people can debate about which one's the best of all the guests we've had, but it's, um, that's a, a good, that's a very strong side. Definitely I think that would do damage in this league. No, don't worry, guys. Probably a half year punters have no heard of them listening in. I don't know. We grew up in an era where it was um, the nineties, and I think we appeal to, to that. Whatever listeners yeah. we do get. <laughs> I well, we kind, you kind of hope so. That I, it's weird that because I find that see when I do my my ambassador role when I go to the home games at Airdrie, and I'm in the hospitality, you always find that people always talk to you about back in the nineties. 
how good the team was then and how, and I, I kind of find that it's a bit of a distraction for the team that's playing now because they try and make comparisons. Mm-hmm. So they'll go and watch the game and they'll come in at half time and that's nowhere near what well, I see when you played and I, and it's it's hard. Sometimes you just go, oh, I know, I know. You, like, nine times out of ten, I want to say, well, look, you can't compare the guys to what you've seen back then. And then they come out with the old the old favourite as well. How come when you played in that era, it always looked like you were trying, like you were sweating blood and tears, and some of these guys now look like they don't care. I don't know if that is the way, but it certainly sounds like some fans will come out and say that like, he's he's watched that boy play any day and he's, he's not tried the leg. I don't know. I don't think players deliberately go out and don't try. It's just the way the game's changed, isn't it? Like Scott was mm. talking earlier, there's not as many bastards about in football. <laughs> no, well, well, there is, well, they're all running the clubs now, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> or not running them. Aye, or running them, aye. Oh, running them somewhere, aye. The other thing is, I know that the game's changed so much. There's so much. I mean, you don't get wingers now. You're David Cooper's. I remember one of the best players I played against Scotland. You don't know him. Never got cut for Scotland, and I thought he was fantastic. It was Kevin McAllister? Yeah. Aye. How did that boy never get a cut for Scotland? Because nobody played. Uh, you can't play an old-fashioned way, can't do How can you do? He, he could beat men and get crosses in the box. He could score. I just think the the, the game's gone now. It's 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 not a good standard in Scotland anyway. I'll definitely say that. I've seen it for a long time. The game up here now is dire. See, when football comes back in, it'll be alright in terms of social distancing because you know that'll put a tackle in anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's another thing. eh? The tackles I've seen some of the games I've played and just like what Scott's talking about there with Neil Point and Joe Malone, that you knew that when I played, when I played against Craig Levine or Goff or John Brown or Al McLaren, by the way, you knew you were getting a boot. You knew you were getting whacked in the game sometime. And if you went out with the fear of getting that, you would never play. So you just, you eliminated it for your mind and you just done your best to torment them. And Did I, you have that, some of your own tricks though, to get them back? Oh, I Just I used to just wind them up. I used to just go, I used to come away with some crackers. It didn't matter who was playing against, whether it was Goff, Levine, Roy Aitken, Willie Muller, or whatever. I used to say, if they said anything to me, I'd say, Do you know where your missus is now? It's <laughs> <laughs> like a red rag to a bull. <laughs> In fact, I've got a great story, I'll tell you. When we played Aberdeen in one of the games, I can't remember who I can't remember if I was playing with Dundee or I was playing with Airdrie or what. In fact, it was Airdrie, it was at Broomfield. First game of the season it was when we just got into mm-hmm. the Premier League. That was there, yeah. I think you beat us two. Well, I scored that day. Mm-hmm. I opening a goal, but I can remember, right? I was playing it. Was it McLeish and Muller? Must have been. 
McLeish played that day. Miller was retired a couple of years before. I think he was in the so, coaching staff at that point. Well, I'm tr- it must be on our game then. It must, it must have been. I can't remember anyway, but you know how McLeish and Miller used to always try and tell the referee what to do? <laughs> so, Probably Miller was the best referee in Scottish football. Aye, I said that. <laughs> so, I was like, like McLeish and that was like that. Why are fucking that? I says to the ref, I says, oh, Give him the whistle. You fucking know about Keith. I says, well, look, you're refereeing the fucking game. What are you doing? Just like the referee do the game. I says, every time you tackle, it's somebody else's fault and you're wanting a foul. And by the way, he's six foot two and I'm, I'm five foot two. The ref, just give him the whistle. You keep going. Just let him ref the game and see for about the 20 minutes after that. His game was all over the place. Could they make a tackle? Could they play a pass? I was like, oh, I've got, I've got to him, I've got to him. So, but you always knew, you always knew later on it's coming. But you, you just as a forward, you just had to take it because there's no other way out. If you're a, if you're, if you're going to start jumping and shirking and you're no good to anybody, you need to be up for the task. But aye, Willie Muller and Art McQueen's two best referees I've ever had in my era. <laughs> <laughs> Toughest opponents? Toughest opponents, probably too. Yeah. But then, I'll tell you, Goff and Brown as well. Two centre-backs. Mm. Brown, big dirty bastard. And even though I had pace, but Goff is an athlete. You think you're going to run by him and he's just... He, He's got pace as well, you know what I mean? But even, and it was the same. We played against Hearts. They had three central defenders of Scotland. In fact, that I'm sure that night I scored the two goals. Hearts three centre backs were McPherson, McLaren and Levine. Three Scotland internationals. And letting a wee scheme for Midri scored two goals against them. <laughs> Aye, the game's changed, hasn't it, Scott? Aye, definitely. What a great of them now. Aye, changed, changed. Craig Levine was a great player. I never, ever, I never, I played with him. He was manager at Cowdenbeath when I signed there. And he was one of the best managers I played for, for making the game simple. You know, it wasn't about tactics and this and that. It was just how to play to your own strength and he made the game easy, but ever since he, he left there and he's been to Scotland, he's been he's just his manager managerial career's not been the best. No. So we've started the podcast by slagging off Craig Levine, so it's a good way to end it as well. <laughs> well <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm sure he'll be worried. <laughs> I'm sure he doesn't care. Um, I don't think he listens, to be honest. Nah, I don't um, think he listens to anyone. <laughs> well, he listens to Anne Budge. <laughs> no, trust me, he wasn't listening to her for the last two months either. Uh, listen. Why do you I, think he's I, still in the books? <laughs> I think that works two ways. Yeah. Hoover's advising her made a major boo-boo. Well, he was advising her. <laughs> no, 
Aye, whoever was advising her to get him in in the first place. Do you think she's actually met him and then gave him the job? Scott maybe know the answer to this one. I know I, I believe I was told the story that if Craig Levine wasn't getting a job, he was he was wanting a job to go to the Irish boy, who's one of his coaches. John Daly. John Daly. John Daly was getting a job on the basis that if he failed, then Craig would be gone. I know because he's picked him. And Craig said, fuck that. I'm not getting a sack with somebody else. I'll do the job myself. Is that right? So I've, I've never had it confirmed to me, but I could understand why that's something that's done the rounds. And to be honest, for what I've been told, we've had quite a... a I think Craig Levine's biggest failure this time round is that he hasn't actually been... He's just been manager in name. So he wasn't involved a lot in the training. It was daily Liam Fox, Austin McPhee. It was pretty much a committee running the training sessions. And then Levine would come in later on in the week and kind of help pick the team. And for what I've been told, John Daly had zero respect within the dressing room. I think that McPhee and Fox had people who quite worked working with them or, you know, being coached by them. But seemingly John Daly was only good for putting out the cones and the bibs. So, I mean, if they had given him the job, I don't think he would have lasted long. Right, so that's obviously why Craig Levine, if that has been the case, has went, well, the story, the feedback I got was that it was Craig Levine that recommended him. But I don't know, I don't know, but I think, you remember when Craig took Noel? I thought after that he should have just, that would have been a good opportunity for him just to step in Scott and just say, like, that's me. I've had enough. If it's affecting my health and stuff like that, that was a good time for him just to get out. But he chose, he chose not to, didn't he? Aye, I mean, rightly or wrongly, he's he's quite a stubborn character. I think he has been his whole his whole career, and I think Aunt Budges as well. Uh, if you look at how she's handling this whole situation now, I think that clearly to make the money she's made in the past, she's obviously capable of making the correct decisions. But she, I think she's also capable of being stubborn when she doesn't need to be. And for me, we should just be focusing on how we get back up. I think spending a lot of money that we probably don't have to sort of get into this sort of whole legality of how the whole fiasco has been handled isn't really the way to deal with it. Uh, there was always going to be a fall guy. There was never going to be a a way of setting the league up after COVID that it was going to benefit everyone. So naturally, all the clubs were going to vote in their own self-interest. It's a story that doesn't have any good guys, and you include the fans in that. So, you know, you've got Celtic fans who, for decades, have been telling us that the SFA is corrupt, but seemingly now they're they're capable of running the league, and it's just so that they can noise up Rangers fans. You've got Hibs fans accepting the decision because that will naturally be in their best interest of summer. And then you've got Hearts fans who will go against it because it goes against our best interests. So it's, right. I'm, I'm trying to sidestep it as best as I can. I mean, I'm a bit of a passive-aggressive guy, so 
probably ten years time, I'll probably just snap one day, just shooting <laughs> and Budge and you know Dundee <laughs> Football Club and Neil Doncaster will be in the middle of Tesco just shouting all this stuff. They don't care what I'm shouting about, but I'll I'll be kids. Oh, Danny. But aye, for me, <laughs> I'll just probably decide to keep running my wee YouTube channel and just watch games for the 80s and 90s and just get the <laughs> get the comfort blanket out and yeah, just get, get myself cosy for the mate. summer. Aye, get a good feeling. Good man. man. It's lucky we never t- spoke about all the statements, otherwise we'd be here until I think Wednesday and you'd be what's that one? I know. But uh, it's interesting hearing that from a Hearts fan in terms of the way things are going just now and as you say there's no there's be full guys here or there and everywhere but I suppose the main thing we've all said is as long as all the clubs come out of it at the end of it that's the main thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, no. Comac's coming under criticism now as well because uh, they've said the support the inquiry and all that type of thing. I think most of the fans of most clubs, most clubs would say that the, the SPFL, the SFA are not very good at running our game and promoting and different things like that. So, well, I had I sat uh, online last night and I read the Inver, uh, I read the Inverness statement, club statement, and I read the Partick Thistle one, and it's it's no it's no good for the, the SPFL what they're coming out with. Yeah, so what he said, she said though as well, because I think that Fairman came out in the back of what Inverness said and said that yeah. it's no them, it's the bullies, it's Inverness, etc. What's that? Breaking waded in with something as well. and yeah. Partick uh, Thistle are still going down the legal route, I think, as well. But you know what? You know what it does in the bigger, the big overall picture? It just makes the Scottish game look how shite everybody thinks it is. Correct. That's exactly, that's all it does. It just makes us look like the clowns that everybody hangs. See, when the draws get made and people look at the Scottish teams and they must just go, who are they? No, I mean, uh, no disrespect to teams, but like a team, team qualifies for Europe. Motherwell. Inverness. Airdrie. No, I mean? See, when you hear, we, we probably do that now because some of the teams that I see in the European draws now, and I'm going, who are they? Where are they from? But you know what? We can't beat them. Yeah. We can't beat them. Sorry. Anyway, is that? That's a wrap, probably. Good, a, good time to, a good time to finish up, probably. We could, as I say, we could speak for hours easily. Um, really good having you both on. Um, and well, I appreciate you asking me on. It's been good. Good. It's good to get a talk with somebody different, you know what I mean? Well, thanks very much for responding, Alan. It was a um, pleasure um, speaking to you. Um, yeah. No, and uh, yeah, take care of yourself, stay safe. Um, right. do. Scott, I want to get you back on as well and get you get you back on. I feel there's more to say as well. Uh, you're, yeah. you're five aside, first team. That's the most entertaining laugh I've had all season, I think. Mm-hmm. I, I, I would agree with that. I think Please. On and just do one with Scott on his own because I've kind of stole his son the other night. I would like to listen to that anyway because you talk a lot of sense. I have my moments. Ah, cool. You know what? <laughs> it, it's your team and you've supported them for years, mate, so you're entitled. You know what I mean? But I just like to listen to people that know a wee bit about it and got a wee bit of knowledge. You know what I mean? 
It's stuff we're hoping that though you'll keep listening to us. Um, <laughs> I won't do. I won't do. I saw you guys. Hi. No, Brown Scott. Yeah, Brian cheers, Allen. Scott. Cheers, right, guys. Thanks a lot, guys. Thanks a lot, Scott. <laughs> cheers. Cheers. Bye. All right. Cheers, boys. Bye. <laughs>